Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 104. Let's roll. Oh my goodness. Week one of the 2022 season in the books. Feels like a long wait, doesn't it? Sometimes you just kind of sitting there waiting through June, through July, through August. You know, mini camps, training camps, preseasons, all the nonsense just to get to week one. And it's kind of glorious, man. What a great week one. I had so much fun, you know, watching the games. I mean, a lot of competitive games where we didn't see them, a lot of upsets, a um, lot of stuff to talk about. And I just, I, you know, I, I got a friend sometimes gets in my ear. He's like, man, you're too modest sometimes. You got to go out and say you're the best in the world. Like you got to get on that mic and tell people you're the greatest. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It sounds, sounds a little bit not like me or kind of exactly like me when I'm in private. But, you know, on this mic, I got to be a little little reserved. But my goodness, if y'all listened last week to the to the solo pod, that means that you were ahead of the of the waivers this week because you were rostering Devin DuVernay, Taysom Hill, DJ Chark, of course, Jordan Mason. You're ahead of the curve. We got some stuff right last week. It was pretty good. I mean, we didn't get everything right. That's for sure. And if you guys want to fucking receipt my ass, go right ahead. I love it. Uh, we get stuff wrong. Um, but I think by and large, we saw it well. You know, the team that I got here, we've, you know, whether it's Michael P. Duncan or all the dudes. I mean, Don Mega was all over Juwan Johnson. A lot of go- good uh, good stuff going on. We're going to hit all of that and more in week one with my very good friend, Trav. Y'all know him, Travis Seal. You can find Travis on Twitter at T Seal, that's S E E L 14. T Seal 14. It's part of the True North Fantasy football team. And I'm going to tell you right now, one thing about Trav is he's one of the best in the business that y'all don't know about. If you don't follow him and you don't pay any attention to what he's got going on, you're missing out. The content's fire. He hits it right on the nose. Absolutely love Trav. So pleasure to have you here, my friend. Trav, what's going on, buddy? Dude, it is good to be back. Thank you for the intro. Uh, Best in the biz might be a little bit strong. I was actually feeling like I might be doing your listeners a disservice with all these elite (laughs) guests that you've been having. And uh, now you got some Canadian schmuck rolling up to the pod, but... I'm ready to go, buddy. I uh, I never say no when Jax Falcone asked me to be on the pod. My last guest spot was that last one we did together, brother. So I'm at like 57% chub, and we haven't even started this show, man. Let's do it. I love it. Hey, 50, 57% chub is what we call Kenny Walker on this on this program. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I love Thank it. You. Yeah, 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 50% chub. You yeah. know, if he's 80% chub, he's lucky. Yeah, that's like max ceiling if he's lucky. Absolutely, thank you. especially thank with the whole, uh, whole PDC in uh, in Seattle. You don't uh, you don't want to be a part of that. No, absolutely. Hey, I did it last week. It was good luck. We're gonna do it again. You guys ready? The listeners ready? Oh yeah, how's that sound? Let's go, baby. One of the best sounds in the world, buddy. Yep, let's do it. What a pod Sounds we've got like going. <laughs> yes, it's not though. It's my Friday kind of. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm off today. So I'm ready to rock and roll. Anyway, what a week. I mean, what, you know, was there anything that you were just like shocked, amazed or anything you just want to mention? Something that stuck out to you that you were like thrilled about? I mean, you had to like your Philadelphia Eagles. I know you're an Eagle fan. It's one of the Dude. reasons I almost didn't have you on, but anything else or 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 what? Was there something that stuck out? 
Yeah, well, the Eagles' production was really, really nice. wasn't necessarily yeah. like a shocker. Uh, maybe yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, we some of the stuff we're going to talk about, to be honest with you, Jack. So yeah. I think I'm going to forgo that, and uh, we'll we'll dive into some of that in a few. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I think you know, for me as a dynasty guy and as a guy who like has had this conversation and argument, and you know, for a long time, as I think we're going to start with a big loser and the biggest loser absolutely unequivocally is the Dallas Cowboys and basically everything associated with the Dallas Cowboys. That includes CeeDee Lamb. That includes Dak Prescott. That was a loss and a a brutal one. Um, It literally added injury to insult, I think is what it was, (laughs) right? (laughs) Normally, it's the other way around. They like were like, oh, you guys are fucking embarrassed. How about we just crack your quarterback's hand? Get the fuck out of here. You know, it was just brutal. And so here we are. And, and let's start with CeeDee Lamb. Ah, boy, oh boy. I mean, you can't really get much worse. I mean, he, the only good thing is like the 11 targets, but 11 targets, two catches, nothing. You know, uh, he had some drops. I've got a lot to say, but I'll just start with you. What are your, uh, you know, outward initial thoughts about CeeDee Lamb? Yeah, man, it was rough to see. Like as an Eagles fan, talking about the demise or a crash and burn situation for the Dallas Cowboys is usually a positive situation for (laughs) me. But uh, as a fantasy player who is heavily invested into some Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb, that one hurt real fucking bad, Jax. Yeah. Um, You know, like you said, the 11 targets were great. The usage is great. It looks like he's still probably going to be the target hog on this team, but the target quality is going to go down in a big way moving from Dak to Cooper Rush or whoever they bring in there Uh, so I'm really reeling from that CD Lamb uh, situation I think uh, you actually had a really good tweet this week Jax that kind of made me think like we're not going to see the ceiling that we thought from CD Lamb coming into the season I had really high hopes like I thought wide receiver one overall was in his range of possibilities in this Dallas offense with Kellen Moore with Dak Prescott with less target competition some of those things remain, except the most important part, Dak Prescott, right? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's it, we were hanging our hat on a few things. We were hanging our hat on on volume. We were hanging our hat on Dak, and we were hanging our hat on you know just an, just enough with Zeke and Pollard and maybe Tolbert and Gallup coming in, Noah Brown, Schultz, like just enough weapons to kind of like buoy Ceedee Lamb to this sort of apex predator number one weapon and i know there are a ton of cowboy haters but i know there are a lot of cowboy fans and a lot of the people out there think that cd is a false flag number one alpha in this league and look they could be right i've said this a million times nobody knows until he does it it's a it's a projection i've had that conversation now i happen to be one of the people that thought he could be or probably would be Uh, that's why i did as many of my contemporaries did have him at wide receiver three as in, in, in dynasty, um, I, I don't I don't have him there now. You can't. It's just too bad. And the tweet I think was basically like the coaching is about as you know. I said we're not going to see his, his his ceiling. It's just not there anymore because of Dak, of course, but also because of the offensive line, also because of the supporting cast, the coaching, the play calling, like everything about it was really really brutal. And 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 so CD would have to be like better than Justin Jefferson to have that alpha year now. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Which he's not, you know. So he'd have to be like this super elite player. You know, it's, the situation just around him is super bad. I think I also tweeted they should fire Mike McCarthy immediately. Like, 
I don't know, man. That that whole thing just didn't feel good. They lead the league in in penalties every single year. I didn't look at the penalty count there, but there was a lot of mistakes, a lot of points left on the field. By the way, Dak didn't play all that well before he left. It didn't look good. There wasn't a lot of rhythm. There it just didn't it was like either a run play or a pass play. It never looked like, oh, wonder what they're doing. It's like, oh, I know what they're doing. Like, uh, here I am sitting on my couch. It just seemed obvious. They had C.D. Lamb moving in motion a ton and like sort of a decoy and like not really getting him moving down the field. A lot of the times they'd snap the ball and he was in the backfield, like in motion in the backfield. It's like, what the fuck, man? He should be outside somewhere. Like, yeah. well, how's he going to get a quality target down the field from this spot? So a lot of the stuff I was, I was just really, really like, it didn't, it didn't look like, oh yeah, this is going to work. You know, I don't know if you felt the same way. Yeah, pretty much, man. It was an ugly game to watch, especially with the high hopes that we had for that Dallas offense. Obviously, we thought that it was it was going to be a bit of a hit from last year. They didn't have Amari Cooper, and say what you will about Amari Cooper, he took targets and he put up fantasy points yep. uh, and put up yardage for that team, right? And so yep. they were a pretty uh, pretty well oiled machine with Dak and CD and Amari taking some of those targets too, but definitely a lot of questions. But I thought that was all positives for CD coming into this year. No Amari. CD was going to come in and get that 25 plus tar- percent target share. Michael Gallup was going to come in and be nice and frisky there as well, but not be anyone who is going to take anything from CD. And honestly, I, th- I still think that could be the case for him. Right. But like I said, it's just going to be dumpy, right? It's going to look yeah. really bad. Like two receptions on 11 targets. Like that's not necessarily something we won't see again this season because he could just be getting some shite targets thrown his way. Um, so like I still believe in the talent, Jax. I think he is a great talent and can be just under that elite tier of wide receivers. Um, but I really think we're obviously we're waiting till next year for that. And I really think that some some dominoes need to stay in place and some dominoes need to fall for that to happen. Yeah, no doubt. And um, I'll I'll do a little a little this or that with him and Dak at this point because Dak's the other one that like. Now he's hurt. Um, you know, he was sort of right. I think most people had him as like a quarterback, like what, seven, eight, nine, ten, like in that spot yeah. rather than in the top five, six, you know? And, um, you know, depending on where you had him, I, I, you know, I, I hate to nitpick, but basically that's where people had him, I think. That's where his value was. And I felt like it was more falling than it was rising. You know, I'd see him ranked a little lower here and there than than another place. You'd be like, oh, he's behind this guy now. Oh, he's behind that guy. You know, he kept falling like Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, all these guys yeah, were sort of ahead exactly. of him. Now, now I think they're sort of all maybe ahead of him. Um, and, and I want to have that conversation real quick. But starting with, you know, CD – I did have him as my wide receiver three. Your boy moves comfortably into that spot, in my opinion, A.J. Brown, after his debut with Philly. It's clear that he's going to be the alpha there. We'll get there. Then I've got guys that are just dope this year, like Diggs and Cup and Pittman now moves Mm -hmm. ahead of CeeDee Lamb for me. Do you agree with that? I have Michael Pittman rising all the way to like wide receiver six in these sort of workshopped, dynasty rankings that I'm trying to put together. 
and I don't feel all that bad about it. What do you say, Trav? Yeah, I'm not quite as bullish on Pittman. I have him at about wide receiver nine for Dynasty, yeah. but that is two, that's two spots ahead of where I have CD. So that kind of shows you how bullish I still am on CD as a talent for the long term from a Dynasty perspective. But yeah, yeah Michael Pittman, um, he was a bit of a miss for me coming into the season. But now from what I've seen, he's going to be that target hog there, and I think he's going to take over... Um, that top 10 well inside the top 10 spot for sure it's like a it's like a conversation with like I, I i sort of have said this though like you know even i've had some pretty awesome arguments with like jordan mcnamara who must have felt just totally awesome about himself with cd you know it's like sometimes it was like when uh when gabe davis scored the first touchdown of the season i had bet 100 bucks oh and won a thousand and you know it was like you know, just to be there for that moment, like, was like, oh, thank you, God. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that feels fucking fantastic. Yeah, and on I the bet. flip side, it felt terrible to watch CD and this team just sort of fall flat. Now, it's not over. It's week one. But these things, you know, like I said, with the injury added to insult, I start to think about CD as a faller. And that that uh, wide receiver three through, like, I don't even know, like 12, 15, somewhere in there, to me is like a big tier, which is what I've always sort of said is like trade back. Don't draft any of the guys at wide receiver three. Like just take the, cause shit, if you did traded back from CD and got cup, you're not upset or whatever. Right. So, yeah. or, you know, so that was the fucking advice from the beginning, even though I had CD at three. Yes. It's not like clearly that much above them. Anyway, let me ask you, I'm gonna play this or that. Just who would you prefer in dynasty? Rapid fire, just sort of off your head, and I'll see yep. where I'm at, and the people can play along at home, of course. Ready? Yep. C.D. Lamb or Tyreek Hill? Man, I think I'm staying C.D. Lamb by a hair on that one. Yeah. C.D. Lamb or Debo Samuel? C.D. Lamb. I'm not a Debo truther. I'm a bit of a fader. Yeah, I think that's fair, too, because there's a lot of – um issues surrounding Debo that could sort of not go well and we'll get there as well. Um, uh, I almost said Debo Sam. CeeDee Lamb or Devontae Adams? I think it's Devontae Adams for me. I just think he has that ultimate ceiling with, uh, and he's locked in for some tenure with Derek Carr. So yeah, give me Devontae. Yeah, Devontae, I think also did the thing that uh, AJ Brown did, which is just sort of okay everything's gonna be fine you know what i mean like because i almost 50 percent targets this week (laughs) he had 17 (laughs) targets it was crazy it's like half the team's targets (laughs) yeah it was awesome and and like i have him in a couple spots and of course where i've got him i'm like you know i really need him right you know what i mean it's like you don't have Devontae, and you're like yeah whatever we'll see what happens no i'm good yeah you know what i'm saying like if you've got Devontae on on a on a dynasty team you're like Need you now, bro. Need you right now. This is yeah. the year. There's no more waiting. Like even with CD, you could be like, oh, it's fine. A couple of years, he'll be still 24, 25. It's fine. Don't even worry about it. But like not with this motherfucker. So like, no. yeah, but he sort of showed that. And now it's like Devante says, I'm the man. He's got a big contract that goes a long time. So you still have that two and three year window. I mean, I would imagine unless he really falls off physically that this year and next are going to be very similar to – you know, not 17 fucking targets, but what we saw in week one, in other words, you know, not the fucking result, of course, that's ridiculous. But, you know, so I'm with you. T Higgins. That's really close. I love me some T Higgins. Um, Who? I think T by a hair. T Higgins by a hair. All right. This one's super, super fun. Drake London. Oh, give me CD still. 
yeah, yeah. Okay. CD still. I think that uh, situation's dumpy for London. So, so and it might be for a couple of years too. Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, he finds himself uh, finds himself still in the top ten ish. You know, you can have him five, you can have him ten, you, you can have him anywhere in there. But I think CD has fallen down a little bit, and and the targets are the only thing that's booing him. Hey, I've got a question yeah. for you. It's not on the show sheet because I want to see what you'd say. Okay, Dallas is going to be home next week. Okay, against the Bengals, home. Yeah against the Bengals. I was wrong on this one when I guess it, so don't be bashful. What do you think the line is? Oh, man. What, it's got to be like... I think the one of the one of the lower lines on the week is 40 points, so it's probably like 43 points. No, the spread, sorry. Uh, oh, who's favored spread? by how much? Sorry, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, the spread. Yep. Oh, man, I bet you it's probably something like, like 12 points. It, wow. Okay. I, I thought it was going to be closer. It was eight. So eight Bengals points, okay. are favored by eight on the road in Dallas. I was like, okay. That's so eight. this, yes. Talk about a fall from grace. Cause like, I, I don't, I didn't go look at it, but I bet you the preseason line was like probably Dallas by two. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? If you totally. bet this game, you know, four months ago, it was probably Dallas favored by a little. You know, maybe they felt like Cincinnati was a little bit better, but certainly not giving them. No they, more Cincinnati was never goal. favored. Yeah. Yeah. So that Either line way, swung yeah. 10 wow. points just because Makes of sense. maybe Dak, but also I think the way this whole team looked. That's my point is I think if they were a quote unquote still perceived as a good team with a backup quarterback, that line would be three, four, five, somewhere in there. You know what I mean? But they're like, no, no, no. You guys are also awful. So you have a shit quarterback <laughs> backup and you're awful. Eight points, right? Yeah, I bet you they're wishing they still had the red rifle back there. I, isn't Cooper? <laughs> sorry, Cooper is Rush he, is the red rifle. I mean, he's kind of he ginger. He's reddish. Is he reddish? Right on. Good for him. Isn't wow. he a little red? Still though, I think. Well, I don't know. I I think he's probably like pasty white, but I don't know if there's yeah. any red in there. Yeah, maybe it's just the the reflection <laughs> off the white, uh, the brown and the white is very. That's just it the sun, a little. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Just the this, sun. <laughs> <laughs> just the fluorescent LEDs in the uh, in that in that Cowboy Stadium. I thought he was yep. red. Um, all right, yeah. This this podcast has got Cooper Rush, Red Rifle, leader in the clubhouse for show title already. I mean, we're early yep. in. Um, Dak Prescott moving right right there. Um, you know, probably out for according to Jerry Jones, just a couple of games. According to all medical doctors, eight weeks. Right? It's like what the fuck. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you got that one. <laughs> Where yeah. do you f- have him fall now in dynasty rankings? There's a, you know, it's funny. I kind of wanted to do this because, you know, while we're here, dynasty uh, top 10 quarterbacks for me right now, I'll just give them to you. Patrick Mahomes is still my one. I, I think Josh Allen and him are one, two. Herbert yeah. feels clear three, right? Yeah, he's right there. I still like me some Lamar Jackson for that rushing work, but I do, I do like Herbert up there in that three spot. I've got Lamar four. Um, okay. Let me see if you can guess who I have at my five right now. Ooh. Okay. It's, so we've it's already maybe got a surprise. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Herbert, Lamar. Yep. I don't think Kyler would be enough a surprise. Nope. Part of me thinks maybe Trey Lance. No, sir. No, sir. Okay. Jalen Hurts. Oh, buddy, I, you know I love that. You know How's I that absolutely feel? love that. I have him in the 7-8 range right now. Just, um, you know, and 
I don't know why. Like I could have him up a little bit higher than that because the pieces around him look like they're going to insulate him with job security. But uh, yeah, no, I love that. I think that's a, a beautiful take because he's we're, probably we're gonna, got the highest weekly yeah. ceiling of any quarterback. Yeah, we're going to get there. But like, dude looks, it's all good there. Like it's offensively, I mean, shit, they gave up 35 to the fucking Lions, which we'll also get there. But, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Then Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, and then it's where you can start talking about Dak Prescott at eight. And I don't yeah. know. I don't think you can put him ahead of any of the guys I just mentioned, right? No, I wouldn't. Right? I mean, I, I even Kyler, who like, man, it's sometimes a little scary. Like, I don't know. I just couldn't do that. So then it's guys like Deshaun Watson. I think I'd rather Deshaun Watson than Dak Prescott, right? Yep. I right? have Deshaun like, so, Watson just ahead of Dak Prescott. And then is that right? So then it's like now Russell Wilson and people like Lawrence Fields and Lance and cousin yeah. Stafford Carr type guys, Aaron Rodgers, and then, you know, whatever. Right. So I think he's got to fit in somewhere around here. But like for all the money, Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson in Dynasty. Man, I'm a, I'm a two to three year window guy. So give me Russell Wilson. He's got those right? weapons around him. He's going to, he's going to cook a little bit. We saw how he can use those weapons. So yeah, give me Russell. That's a really close one though, because I do think that, you know, Dak can bounce back from this, right? It's not like it's an ACL injury or something that's catastrophic. It is just like a, a thumb. So I think this year might not be the year, but I think he could rekindle some of that to be a bit of like, instead of the top guy at his tier, he's going to be one of the lower guys at that tier that you can draft a little bit cheaper and be happy with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and so then it's like, I have these two little tiers. I have the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. I think that's like a, those are three guys. Like they're the, like, they're not the same. Obviously they're going to end up being different at the end of their careers. And who knows, but right now in my value in my head, like that's a little tr- threesome. And then I've got this other little foursome, which is, or uh, threesome, which is a cousin. That's actually four cousins, Stafford Carr and Rogers who are like, they're not really mobile, but they're like older, but they're kind of solid. And, but they're yeah. sometimes prolific and sometimes maddening, but like you kind of really, really love any one of those four guys as your quarterback two in a, in a super flex league, you know? And it's like, okay, does Dak move behind either of those two tiers? I don't think so. Do you? No, no, okay. I don't think so either. Like it, I think, for me, I really like what Kellen Moore does as the offensive coordinator. I know Mike McCarthy is just a piece of shit at the head coach coaching position, but I really like what Kellen Moore does. So I think that matters in Dak's future outlook is what happens in the front office there. And then I do think that they are probably going to put now seeing what's happening, put more concerted effort into adding more at the wide receiver position. So I think Dak should kind of come back to earth, but I don't think he's going to come back to that top five conversation. Sean Payton, 2023 that would not be a surprise at all. Right. Like I could see that come in. And I think that would be the boost that he needs to get back into that, you know, eight to 12 conversation. Yeah. Moving on up. I mean, Sean Payton, 2023 sort of makes us all exhale. If you're a Cowboys fan, or if you're holding any of these offensive weapons that right now just took a giant shit in your living room. So uh, moving on, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't, it, we didn't want to spend a ton of time on a lot of topics, but to me, this one was huge. Cause I thought that Dallas was like going to be one of these high powered offenses. And now 
you know, if Dak were, were still healthy, we'd maybe be talking ourselves back into him. Like Tampa Bay's a tough defense, which they are. A tough front. The offensive line had to sort of congeal. These things are still kind of true, and they're going to have better days ahead, but they're not going to be as better as we thought. So moving yeah. on, another team that kind of lost this week was the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. What's your sort of panic level on Aaron Rodgers as it sits right now? I think he's like he's probably a tier above a streamer for me at this point. Mm. Um, and I think where he lost wasn't necessarily in week one. Where he lost is Devontae Adams going out the door. Like yeah. that was a huge piece with no proven chemistry left behind. Like for me, it's going to be a really bumpy road for these guys, at least for this season. Um, and I don't really think that Alan Lazard coming back healthy is going to cure those ails. So for me, I'm a little bit worried about Aaron Rodgers because how long is it going to take these young wide receivers to develop for him? How long of a leash have they given their previous young wide receivers to develop unless they show like elite stuff in the first two seasons? Um, so for me, his his value really hinges on how much he can bring these wide receivers along. And I know it's not his job necessarily, but being a quarterback of his stature, I think it's partially his job. And I think Christian Watson and Romeo, I call him smoking dubs. I know it's like dubs, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you no, have to take that opportunity yeah. when you have the chance. Smoking dubs. 100%. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think those two guys developing, mainly Christian Watson because of the draft capital, because of the size, because the athleticism, I think his development is going to be pivotal in my perception of Aaron Rodgers going forward. So right now I've got Aaron Rodgers for the foreseeable as just a little bit above a streamer with the chance at having some spike weeks, but he does not have the weapons around him to really put up that otherworldly shit that we've seen from him in the past. Yeah, totally. And just to, just to hit on that, we, we had a guy in Boston the Celtics named uh, Mark Blount at B L O U N T. And he was fucking Mark Blount for sure, bro. So hundred percent. Yeah, just like we Ligurit. Pass the blunt, you know. I mean, yeah. yeah. Pass, pass so, me the Legarrett blunt. <laughs> yeah, same thing, man. That, that motherfucker was blunt. So, um, here's I'll test you, dude. Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr in Dynasty? Shit, that's an ironic one because of the Devonte Adams factor. Exactly, Give me Derek fucking Carr, man. I, wow. dude, I have one spot ahead of him right now in my Dynasty ring. So, you want a bigger test? This one's gonna, this one's gonna make you feel funny. Aaron Rodgers or Jameis Winston in Dynasty? Oh, that's so gross. I'm still going Aaron Rodgers. I'm yeah. still going Aaron like Rodgers. Like on principle, though, not in like, like logic. Like when you start breaking it down, you're like, Look, right? I thought you're about like, it. I mean, it. I have him ahead too. It's but it's like if someone offered you Jameis plus plus or something, you'd snap it, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, I think Jameis has a couple of years of like replacement level starting quality production for sure, and possibly more. He looked pretty good, dude. Yeah, I think that team's going to limit kind of how much he gets to sling it and put up the YOLO balls, which is good for him. But we just love Jameis in the YOLO balls. I mean, he made that comeback, albeit against the Falcons. I'm not like here to say like he's arrived, he's this guy, but like he looked good. They were down like, what was it, 26 to 10? They end up coming back. So, I mean, that was on his arm. I mean, we'll get get there a little bit too, but I just, I thought it was good. So this this one is a tough one for a lot of people. And I've been asking the question, Trav, I've just been asking it. I was asking the question. Now, I know it was a monsoon, and so the, the jury is not in. I am not saying it's done, but I've been asking, is Trey Lance a good NFL quarterback thrower of the football? Dude, the jury is still – I can't answer that question for you we don't because know. the jury is still out. We just have not seen it. 
we have not seen it. I think you're, you know, you're staying the course with him and whatever your notion is on him right now, you got to keep riding that lightning <laughs> yes, you do. until you see it, right? The lucky yeah. thing for you is that the fantasy floor is like 10 plus carries a game. So that's fantastic. But yeah, we don't know if he's a good, uh, good NFL quarterback. And that's what's going to give us that, like allow us to form our dynasty opinion is to see him throw the fucking ball a little bit more yeah. because if it's like absolutely Armageddon quarterback play, then he's not going to stick around in the NFL as a starting quarterback for very long. But if it's adequate, plus that rushing sign me up for a little Trey Lance, buddy. Right. And, and, I, and I wonder, you know, there's the spectrum of these quarterbacks and the spectrum is like, Tim Tebow to like Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Tebow's a good one too. That's the fucking sunrise, sunset fucking situation for these motherfuckers. Scary. Yeah. It's scary. Uh, 100%, dude. And like he is not Lamar Jackson. No. 100% not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> right. Does not th- like he won't be throwing the ball like Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have the electricity that Lamar no. Jackson does. I think of him more as like a fullback style quarterback runner as yes. opposed to a fucking gazelle yes. quarterback runner. You know what I mean? He wishes he was Jalen Hurts. 100% he does. Absolutely. He's not <laughs> as sleek or as smooth as Jalen Hurts either. No. But he's like, a monster. Dude, like Trey Lance is an absolute monster so his rushing touchdown upside could be really nice as well but yeah he's uh he's not those guys yet for sure his like i've I've said this a couple of times like his ceiling and the problem with this is that his ceiling is josh allen and the problem with that is that josh allen's ceiling was josh allen and he fucking somehow hit it like josh allen wasn't for sure gonna be (laughs) what he is you know it was like does that make sense or is that like just Crazy no, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at Trey Lance's situation, he has the pieces around him. He has the coaching staff and the offense yes. to hit that ceiling. So yep. this is an indictment on his talent, whatever happens. And that's how I'm going to make my assessment on him for dynasty is I'm, if I've got him, I'm riding him until I yeah. figure it out, uh, hoping that it hits. And then if it doesn't, I probably got a contingency plan because that's where I'm sitting as far as my analysis of him. Right. Uh, a yeah. lot of people are so all in on Trey Lance that they have no out. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's, that's been my case, you know, and, and like I have him, I think in one spot or something and I'm still like hot potato. I feel like I'm like, just show something so I can get someone who loves Trey Lance in my league to like overpay me for him and get me off. Like I'm going to start to make some, tra- I mean, the the problem is, is like, you can't trade him for fucking Jalen hurts. The Jalen hurts owners like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Mm-hmm. I got Jalen hurts, homie. You know? So yeah. like, that's why I have him so much higher. Cause like if I'm holding hurts and someone comes to me with this fucking Lance idea, I'm like, dude, beat it. And now the yeah. problem is, is that, yeah, the ceiling is there. So if Lance hits, this sounds like a bad take, but if he doesn't, the, the, it just feels like there's such a shallow floor. Um, speaking of shallow floors, I think there's something to be said for this Elijah Mitchell inju- injury in um, in San Francisco as well, because you know a lot of people are like he'll be back in eight weeks. Don't worry, yada yada. Look, this is a sixth round pick, by the way, who I love. Everybody fucking knows that. But here's a sixth round pick who has been hurt two years in a row, who. Now all of a sudden, in the in the eyes of the NFL world, is not a durable football player. Whether that's true or not, whether he got unlucky or not, all that shit doesn't matter. What matters is whether an NFL front office is going to contract this guy 
to be their Zeke Elliott. And he hasn't proven to be that type of, you know, guy who can hold up like a Zeke Elliott. Now, obviously, no, he's not Zeke Elliott, but you know what I mean? Like, they, they, I used his name because, like, Zeke's always like, yeah, he's he's out there. Like, oh, his, his knee is hurt, still fucking playing. Like, he's still rugged walking. and durable, right? Right? Yeah, man. And uh, not the same situation for Elijah Mitchell. And I was a big Elijah Mitchell fan too, just like you, Jax. Like, I loved yep. him coming into last year. One of my favorite fourth-round rookie draft picks, like, I've ever made probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just hard to see. Like, he's going to have to come back from that injury and really take that running back room yes. by the horns to maintain it for the long term. Because they're going to be waiting this amount of time for him. They have minimal investment in him. They're probably... they're they've already signed Marlon Mack to the practice squad. And while he's not a world beater, Jeff Wilson's not a world beater necessarily. Um, I think they're going to be trying to make that contingency plan. And if it yes. works, they're not going to be just holding it, waiting at with bated breath for him to come back and take over the reins. They're probably going to work him back in with that other guy. And then going into next season, having him as so little investment for the team, they're going to be looking for another contingency plan that they're probably going to invest a little bit heavier in, which is hilarious because they've done that twice over the past two years. I bet they wish they had a little bit of Trey Sermon still right now to help them out. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> maybe it's not. dicey. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. not. I, I yeah. like Trey Sermon in that San Francisco offense, actually. I liked him in that situation because it's supposed to be one of the best rushing games in the entire NFL. Yeah. Well, now you've got him in your hometown, Philly. I'm sure he's going to come through for you. That, that yeah, Trey I'm Sermon. sure he's not. I'm sure yeah. he's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I think the world wanted us to talk about which guy we like, and we're going to get there. But I thought it was important to mention this Elijah Mitchell thing because, you know, it may be a sell opportunity, a sell low even. Like, you know, you can sell right now on the on like to, you know, hey, he'll be back. Don't even worry. You know, you can buy low from me. Don't worry. Because I don't know, man. You know, you can come back. The knee could not be right. You know, I don't know. It's not. It's not a sure thing. If if the if all these running backs are in a minivan with fucking Shanahan driving, they're not saving him the shotgun. Okay, he's fucking getting <laughs> nope. in the back. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, they uh, right. they're not waiting around for nobody, especially because you know they think they have championship aspirations. And aside from the unknown of Trey Lance and whatever's happened in that running room, they could be a Super Bowl caliber team. And the other thing to remember, Trav, that's how Elijah Mitchell started in the first place. Exactly. Is that they don't give a fuck about the hierarchy. That's why Trey Sermon is gone. That's why mm-hmm. Jordan Mason made the team. That's why all this shit happens. Because they're like, don't give a fuck. We're just going to play the guy we think is better today and move on. You know, So that's why Raheem Mostert, who had been bounced around like a ping pong ball for his whole career, ended up having like a moment with that team. That's why. So the same reasons that all that shit happened is the same reason that Elijah Mitchell is very, very dicey right now. Sell while you can. And that's coming from one of the biggest Elijah Mitchell guys out there. Love him. Um, Question. And this is pretty simple and straightforward. It's like, if you're handicapping it straight up and and you can say one week or all season answer it both ways i'm not i don't know right but who is the running back to own in san francisco going forward starting this week I think it's got to be Jeff Wilson. I think we've seen out of all the guys that are there, we've seen Jeff Wilson do it a little bit in this offense. Um, it's just like 
I'm, it's a week-to-week proposition, right? I'm not saying rest of season by any means because yeah. this team churns through running backs. I don't think I don't think we're ever going to see this team have kind of a stalwart back there. Elijah Mitchell was the closest thing we were going to get to that, and we weren't even sure if he was that just yet. He was last year, which was great, but we weren't necessarily sure. So give me Jeff Wilson for the next couple weeks or so, but I could see uh, Tyrion Davis-Price coming in there and taking some work. Jordan Mason, they obviously like him enough. Marlon Mack is on the the practice squad. So Wilson for now, but I'm not like tied to that whatsoever jacks, because I think they're just going to roll like that hot hand approach bullshit that we're so tired of hearing (laughs) is legit. What happens? Like, I'm pretty sure you look at the definition of hot hand approach and (laughs) Kyle Shanahan's got a shitty. Oh, Hey, talking about me, bro. That's that's me. me. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's it's, it's like I probably would be trying to, if I have Jeff Wilson, I'm probably trying to trade him for like, peanuts just to get out of this backfield basically like i don't think unless he's getting like 20 carries a game because they don't pass the ball to the running backs and he's not getting those 20 carries because trey lance is their quarterback so i'm just kind of like leaning against that yeah but yeah i don't know man if if bill belichick and kyle shanahan were in a band it would be called hot hand approach no doubt yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. If they were a rapping duo, that'd be their fucking rapping name. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the I think I think TDP is the guy I'm putting my chip on. Okay, um, it, and I think it's kind of interesting though. I love Jordan Mason, and he was active over TDP this past week. And I think people people are reading into that as like, well, then Jordan Mason's the guy. But you know, when Elijah Mitchell got hurt, Jordan Mason got exactly. Shit, nothing, Zero. did nothing. Yeah, no Zero. offensive snaps, I think. Yeah, so therefore, it's not that motherfucker. Because if that were if that were why he were there, they'd have been like, dude, here's your fucking, there you go. Here's just, just what we were waiting for. They were not waiting for that. Uh, Jordan Mason was there because he's good and he plays special teams. So just fucking put that in a box and smoke it. But <laughs> I think TDP is their sort of, you know, Trey Sermon swing from last year. Third rounder, you know, just... You know, I think it may be him. Now, I do th- agree with you with this veteran deference with Jeff Wilson, and I think Marlon Mack is sort of insurance. Get him in the building, start working with him, and you know, if some shit goes crazy this week, they're like, "Well, we got Marlon Mack. At least he knows the offense. We can kind of work him out, see what we think." Right. So, I think that's the the hierarchy of things. I think Jordan Mason stays exactly where he's at as a sort of breaking case, break, break glass in case of emergency back, and special teams guy. Uh, Jeff Wilson's the veteran, and I think TDP is a little bit of that like young lightning. That if they're going to give him some chances, and he's going to be that hot hand approach, you know, litmus test. You know, if he can break out and do some shit, he could find his way into some more meaningful touches. That's the way I read it. I'm not saying it's exactly right, but it's the way it feels right. So I don't know if you agree with that take. No, I can see that. If we're looking at like who's the ascending asset here in the backfield, like. TDP has only up to go, right? And this yeah. is probably best case Ontario for Jeff Wilson is to catch an injury in front of him when there's <laughs> nobody else behind him that's been proven, right? So I totally see that and I can get down with that. And definitely from a dynasty perspective, I would be going that TDP route uh, for like the next two weeks. Give me Jeff Wilson, but that's a reassess every week type of situation. So yeah, f- fair enough. I like that. Um, one, one more L I want to hang and it's a <laughs> big fat L. Dude. Cam Akers. Just Cam Akers. What the fuck? That's bad. 
I mean, I guess the only thing I can say about Cam Akers in this game was that he only played 12 downs. You know what I mean? Like he only got, what was it? Three carries or whatever. Like three carries, one huge missed block. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, he didn't miss it. He fucking, he just ran away from it. (laughs) Yeah. He was like, nah, pass. I guess I'm good. (laughs) I'm good with all that. That's terrible. Yeah. No, not good. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was ugly, and you know, I I don't think he should have lost the two and the twenty three. Like this three number doesn't look good on him. The whole thing just did not look right. Um, first of all, the offensive line was fucking hideous. They had a guy, um, this David Edwards. <laughs> he like I don't know if you know this PFF ranks. You know what I mean? It's like zero oh, yeah. to hundred or whatever, and like. You know, if you're 50, you're like terrible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if if you're in the 40s, it's like a fucking awful grade. Like, most of these guys are 60s, 50s, and like good players are 70s, and 80s is amazing. Like, this dude had a 6.9 pass blocking rating. Oh, I've never seen single digits. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen single digits on P- PFF. That's an yeah. achievement, to be honest. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, what did he like? He must have done worse shit than. Uh, Cam Akers. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cam Akers didn't get a grade because he didn't even try. It was like, no, 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 dude. I'm not. I'm going out in a route. Lineman out there. Yeah, dude, that was awful. So, look, I, I guess I would just ask, like, is this a, a buy low for Cam Akers or jump off the burning building for Cam Akers? It's a hold for me, Jack. Yeah. I think it's a hold. Um, like he's always been a sell for me up to now, to be honest with you. I'm a huge Daryl Henderson fan. Um, we know that like they drafted Daryl Henderson with similar draft capital and then they went and did it again the next year. So everybody yeah. thought that they were so tied to Cam Akers when they did the same thing to Daryl Henderson and weren't so tied to Daryl Henderson. So I don't like I think it's almost like uh a step down from Shanahan's not give a fuck attitude on his running back situation. They just want the guy who's going to be in there and be effective. Now I think better days are ahead for Cam Akers. I don't think we're necessarily going to see that every week because they don't want to give Daryl Henderson that much work every single week. They want him to stay healthy. He's got a lot of injury history as well, but I think what it could have been too, right? We obviously see that great postseason from Cam Akers. Um, coming back from the Achilles injury and then he's coming back this year. Everybody thinks he's fully healthy, but maybe he wasn't fully healthy. Daryl Henderson was banged up at the end of last year. So maybe they were just riding Cam Akers because he was productive, if not fully healthy. So maybe he needed a little bit more time. Like this is me trying to reason out what the fuck happened in week one, to be honest, Jax, because it's wild. And I'm not a Cam Akers guy. I was always saying his draft cost was a lot like way too high, but I think if you can get anything for him (laughs) above like, a net zero, then you can definitely go out and trade him. But I'd be holding him until we see a little bit more snap share from him. Cause I think that's going to rise a little bit to the point where we can get some sort of decent value back. Maybe he has a couple big plays in a week where he's fresh on everybody's mind popping off. So uh, I'd be waiting for that with acres, but I would sell him at that chance for sure. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody buying uh, aggressively, meaning no. paying up, you know, at this particular point, that was a very, very scary outcome. And I think the other part of it is like, well, you know, the, 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 the ceiling outcome for Cam Akers this year was, you know, and it's kind of a narrative based bullshit thing, which is, you know, McVay likes to ride the lead back, you know, and I guess he kind of fulfilled that today or this week because he did kind of do that with Daryl Henderson. Um, so, 
I don't know. But here's the problem is now Daryl Henderson is seemingly involved because he was good and they trusted him. And, you know, look, you know, Matthew Stafford threw the ball 51 times. Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers had 40 and 10 routes run, respectively. They were involved in the passing game. They weren't in there to pass block neither one of them. I mean, literally one pass blocking uh, rep for the two of them. And they didn't count um, Cam Akers uh, bull riding. Lucky boy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. It, it did not try to pass block in his defense. He was escaping f- quickly to fucking release. Hot route, hot route. I mean, he was trying to get open is what he was trying to do. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but I guess my point here is like, look, these guys are, you know, going to be involved in the passing game, I I suppose. Now, if it shifts the other way, it can all get a little bit better for him. But the problem for me is the offensive line because I don't see that just all of a sudden getting better because it's not like these guys are like – had a bad day they're not like they're not good you know they have a couple of good guys and that's about it yeah it looks rough like Whit- Whitworth was the old dog there and then they yep. had a couple of guys who were up up and coming ish but they didn't up and come high enough obviously and so they've had <laughs> yeah. that phrasing a little bit there I guess that's but, exactly um, right and yeah yeah uh, uh, didn't come it, to fruition no and one of the one of the you know, you're a best ball guy, redraft guy, the whole thing. One of the best ball dichotomies early in the season was in that sort of wide receiver 24-ish where you'd be staring down the barrel of Allen Robinson versus Gabe Davis. Well, in week one, that's Gabe one, Allen Robinson zero. Do you see that kind of turning around? I don't know. I don't know. I just think like Allen Robinson's going to need to do it on volume, right? He's not getting you a ton of yards after the catch. He doesn't have electricity in his profile anymore. He's going to need volume, specifically red zone volume. And I think with Cooper Cup ahead of him on the depth chart, there's no scenario where I see Allen Robinson even getting into the same stratosphere as Cooper Cup on that target totem pole. So I I would take Gabe Davis, and we're going to talk about him in a few here, but I'm a a notorious fence rider when it comes to Gabe Davis. I'm not a truther i'm not a hater i'm kind of like a wait and seer and we will talk about that soon but i would go gabe davis because he offers that explosive element as the second fiddle in the offense yeah it's interesting because you, you, yeah i'm with you i think it's gabe davis as well um you know you know you talk about a fence rider like i became one a little bit here toward the end and i wasn't actually changing my tune it's that the market changed so much that I was like, whoa, guys, this is a little bit rich for Gabe Davis. But like, I, I go back to that draft class where, you know, we did a, it was like early, like February before his, his, his rookie draft. Like, we did an early, like, mock draft with a bunch of experts and stuff. And like, I took him, you know, in the fourth round or early, th- whatever it was. I don't remember now. It was a fucking long time ago, but I remember we published it and put it on Twitter. Like, and I was like, look at this, Gabe Davis fucking, why does nobody like this? I was like, you know, I, I didn't think he was like, I wasn't like, a, oh, he's a first round rookie pick talent. You know, I was like, I think this guy's pretty good. Why is he a fourth round? You know, so, and then I was like, he looks like he should be a, a day one or day two pick, probably a day two pick, not a day one pick that's first round. And then like, he doesn't go in day day two and he goes, you know, in the fourth round, I'm like, fuck, you know, maybe whatever. So I've always been a little bit higher on him than, than consensus and like pushing him up, pushing him up. And and then all of a sudden he like has that that big game and everybody's just so in on him and I, and I was like well this is kind of my moment but like at the same time like 
pragmatism just fucking sets in and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. let's ease into this, you know? But, you know, certainly I'm still really, you know, pleased because I have so much Gabe in Dynasty. And he, he just pays off, you know, when he plays. And I think there's still going to be some ups and downs, but Buffalo was a huge winner. Let's get off these fucking loser teams and start talking about some winning teams, damn it. <laughs> You know, I like the way he's talking to you, Chip. Yeah, her. Yes, <laughs> that's right. No, I like it, man. And I've got I've got a decent amount of Gabe Davis because not only did I see you talking him up a little bit in that draft season, I knew fuck all about him at that point. But uh, my buddy Jimmy Nastic from True North Fo- yeah. Fantasy Football, he wrote a, an article about Gabe Davis during that offseason before the draft when he was at UCF. I remember I edited that article for Jimmy, and I haven't forgotten about it since. And Jimmy is one of the early Gabe Dave nice. truthers, just like yourself. Um, and so I luckily do have some shares of him, but I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I just have a hard time with him at the cost that it ended up costing to get right. him um, either in a trade right now or in a draft at the beginning of the, or at, before the season started, of course. Um, if we kind of look at a little bit of stats here, uh, Jax, his previous two seasons, he had only 35 receptions, didn't eclipse 600 yards. So he was like third on the totem pole. So that's totally fine. Um, but I still have a hard time seeing him ever being kind of that double digit target guy on a weekly basis. I think what you have to bank on his touchdowns and unsustainable high efficiency. Week one, that big game, only five targets. He's yep. actually only ever had five targets five times in his entire career or more than five targets only five times in his entire career never had a regular season game with more than five receptions so sounds like i'm dogging him and that's totally fair if somebody wants to discern that but i'm still a bit of a fence rider on gabe davis because i think you have to you have to bank on something that we repeatedly say for other players that you should not be banking on and that's touchdown scoring and high efficiency, low volume. That's and so right. I have a hard time, you know, making Gabe Davis the exception to the rule. I get it. Josh Allen is great, but it's not like he's getting peppered with those targets, you know? Yeah. And that's why he's a fun later round pick in a redraft or best ball setting. But when his price is that high, it's very, very difficult to push the button on him. Although I will say a lot of the guys in that in that ballpark are also a little bit scary, a la Allen Robinson, but and they just don't offer the upside that he has. Like he does right. have that huge upside week yes. to week and across like a points per game season. Yeah, but that's exactly right. I mean, even when I uh, like did the uh, projections for him this year, it was like a lot of. Um, I think I, I I think I projected him for like sixty nine catches, obviously, uh, like nice. about eleven hundred yards and like nine touchdowns or something. Ten, you know, and it's that's like fair. yeah, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be like, you know, and 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 what happens is is he's you're right. It's not going to be. You just want him to get five to eight targets a game, you know, and he's going to have some two and three target games. We're like, what the fuck, dude? And he's probably not going to have too many like 10, 15 target games. It's not going to be there. Like, I'm totally with you. It's not going to be, you know, 150 targets. It's not coming. But like, you know, between the sort of I've said like 80 or 90 is a loss and 130 is a huge win target wise, you know, and you probably put him somewhere in that. 95 to 115 most likely outcome of total targets by the end of the season and if he's on the high end of that he pays off if he's on the low end of that he probably doesn't and if he smashes on the top side you know like yeah 1200 yards and 12 touchdowns is in the fucking it's in the realm of possibilities and and really because of the texture of that team i i feel like it's very likely that he's just sort of dude he played every down 
Like, yeah, more you, more snaps than Stephon Diggs by a lot. Yeah, they, he yeah, played every down. Exactly. They're, they're just like, yeah, you're that guy. Just stay out there and play. Like, you kind of saw that coming with all the moves they made. Emmanuel Sanders gone. They only brought back. They didn't bring Cole Beasley back, and they brought two slot guys to sort of, you know, McKenzie and Crowder. Like, yeah, you guys do that. Diggs is obviously the alpha. And and what they did is they Diggs played almost like. Diggs played every like if they passed, Diggs was out there, and then exactly. they bring in Kumaro to spell him when they would run, and it would be just Davis and Kumaro to block. I mean, it, obviously they passed a couple times and ran a couple times the other way, but like essentially that's what happened. It was almost telegraphed. Diggs comes out, they're like probably running it here, and that's exactly what they did. So it was just a way to rest Diggs. Maybe he was who the fuck knows, right? I mean, obviously you want him out there all the time, just like Davis. It's not like they think Davis is better, but that's how they trust Davis. You know, I can remember his first year, they trusted him the same way. They they targeted him on the first play of his rookie year or something like that, and and they targeted him in the end zone on the first drive. Like, they were like, almost like they were like, this kid's going to be good. Let's get him going. And then I feel like maybe that sort of Emmanuel Sanders signing and holding him back in year two was a little like, He's he's young. He's he was twenty one as a rookie, twenty two yeah. as a as a second year player. It's like, are we going to put all our eggs in this one twenty two year old basket? Like, I'm not sure. And maybe this year they were like, yep, we're ready to do that. And he's he's still not the alpha. He's just what he is, which is a fucking field stretcher, big play specialist who's just a dog out there, and he's going to get big plays and make big plays when he's got when he's got the opportunity. And that that's what the fuck is going on here. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect assessment of Gabe Davis. Even when you were talking about the ranges of outcomes target-wise for him and where we want him to be, I love how you put that. And yeah, he's just a fun player to have on your team, man. Like you see, like say you're watching Red Zone and Scott Hansen comes on and yeah. going, to, going to Bill's Dolphins and check this out. And then Josh Allen just hurls one to <laughs> yeah. Gabe Davis for a touchdown. Like that's fun. the shit that gets the adrenaline pumping on a Sunday. So absolutely. yeah, this game is for fun more than anything. I mean, we like to win money. Absolutely. So that's a for very sure. close second, but we like having fun. And Gabe Davis is one of those. Yes. And, and sometimes I'll say that on Twitter and uh, when I'm, when I'm talking to these haters and I'm like, and, and they'll think that's like my reason for liking him. It's like, no, it's, Liking him is gives me that. Don't you enjoy that? Or like, because you like you're a fence rider, but you still appreciate that. And I totally, totally. I totally love that. Speaking of yeah. riding a fence, wondering whether or not someone's good or not. Woof, James Cook. Yikes. Speaking Dude. of fucking whoa, that was a really bad fumble he had. That was a yes. really bad fumble. Um, I don't know, man. I think he's a, I think he's a good player still. I think he's still got some electricity in his game. But I always hated the landing spot for James Cook. I always yeah. hated that landing spot. Like this team does not run the ball very much and they don't throw the ball to running backs very much. I think in the Josh Allen tenure, the most receptions uh, running back has had was Devin Singletary's 40 last year. I think he might've got 44 a couple years ago, but in that 40 to 50 range. Um, so that's not like elite work, especially when you factor in that they're not running the ball a ton, right? So totally. People were excited about James Cook coming in and taking a bunch of this passing work. There's not much to take. And when he starts to split it with Devin Singletary, which is going to happen, he's not taking the whole pie, James Cook. Once he st- once he starts to split an already small pie, I'm out. Like, I'm out. Like, for Dynasty, I, I like him as a stash. But he'd probably be, like, you know, somebody who I'm putting on my taxi squad and really not wanting to start this year. I mean, it would suck if he, if he hits and he's sitting on your taxi squad. So maybe I don't do that just because right. I like fun. But yeah, I think, right. uh, you know, I think he's somebody who I'm not even thinking about on my roster right now. Yeah. And I wonder, so you feel like he's totally droppable in redraft leagues, eh? 
Yeah, I think for now he probably would be like I you know, if I have that roster spot, I might enjoy holding him in almost the vein of a Rashad White, maybe a little bit less, just because like there is running production to be had in this offense. It's just not on volume. It's on big plays because the other teams don't expect it, right? Um, so I think there is a little bit of rushing volume. But yeah, he is definitely, if he's the last guy on your roster and you need to pick up somebody that you have to use this week, definitely. And then just a stash for Dynasty. Well, Rashad White is not further down on the uh on the show sheet. So I'm going to just mention that the difference between him and Rashad white though, is that Rashad white is a clear one for one backup. If yeah, Fournette were to point. go down, right? Like he's going to step into Now they'll spell him more than they spell Fournette, obviously, because he's not as big. He doesn't, he can't handle the, the type of rushing. They're going to bring in a grinder to sort of absorb some of the, you know, heavy lifting, but he's going to just step into the lead role. Whereas James Cook, I don't know, fucking Singletary goes down. Like Zach Moss played a, a lot more than James a Cook. Lot. James Cook played three downs, three downs. That's it. One of them was a putrid fumble, and the other two, he he was like, he didn't do shit. Like he, no. he was, he was just an afterthought. He was like they he run block for. I like he, I don't even know if, what it was. Like it might have been victory. You know, it might have been two kneel downs. I don't even know what it was. Like he played hmm. one down, fumbled, and never saw the field again. Whereas, you know, Zach Moss played 22 snaps, you know, um, Singletary only played 34. So they kind of that was closer to a split than you would like if you're a Singletary yeah. uh, owner. But, um, you know, Zach Moss is still that, you know, I think he's kind of revealed himself as kind of a backup, you know, trustworthy, you know, jag. Right. Totally. Yeah. A guy who's going to be like a pain in the ass for guys who have James Cook on their roster. You know what I mean? Like Zach yeah. Moss is that. Uh, we, we, here, we at the True North Pod, we really liked Zach Moss coming in. We thought he could give you nice rushing work in the red zone. Thought he could maybe take a little bit of that burden off of Josh Allen, but that didn't end up happening. So yeah, that's a good point. James Cook is more of like a, a step down from what Rashad White can be, but kind of I'm just thinking of like the electricity in his yes. profile and the upside that he could present is why I might hang on to him for now but it yes. does not look good it does not look good yeah that particular offense obviously you love having pieces of the offense and you know Crowder and McKenzie I think both scored in that game or no McKenzie scored but Crowder was had a bunch of like he got some meaningful targets yeah there's a lot to go around except for Dawson Knox fuck that guy right no I'm joking oh I hate him I have him in my Scott Fishbowl team because <laughs> oh, no. it was a huge teardrop from him to the next guy and uh that sucks I got David Njoku who was also a dud in week one but uh, I don't mind that core going forward but you, you know man. who some people thought was in that tier Mike Gesicki Oh my no, god, hey, dude! I am oh. an OG Mike Gesicki lover, but oh, you and I no. have talked. You and I have talked about it a lot. We've talked some Gesicki before, you. and I'm off Gesicki. Fuck him. <laughs> I've told you. I've been trying to tell the world that Mike Gesicki is a complete false flag, absolute zero. Get him off. Trade him away. Do not ever roster Mike Gesicki. Just can't do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So anyway. We're going to have some fun. You know, we talked about some winning teams. We talked about some losing teams. We're going to kind of go win or loser and have a quick convo and just kind of bounce this one. Ready? It's going to be fun. Okay. You know, same team. A.J. Brown was a winner. Devontae Smith was a loser. How much of that do you think is, you know, future casting and how much of that is just sort of going to revert back to the mean? No, I think there is some future casting there. I don't know how quick you want me to go on this, Jax, but you're no, asking me about fucking, an Eagles player Let's go, baby. This is Philly. So, Take I think the day. It's, uh, 
I think AJ Brown is taking over that pie and Devonte Adams is AJ Brown put a huge dent in what we are hoping for the production potential of Devonte Adams. Let's say that because he's not going to get that lucrative work. He's going to have to do a bunch of it on, on his own. This team does not throw deep a whole lot. So basically Devonte Smith has to be AJ Brown in order to, to produce on the lower amount of volume, meaning that he has to be able to do a bunch of work after the catch and be a grown ass man. And I just don't think he's that yet in the NFL. Like, Get him three or four deep shots a game. Sure, I'm a little bit more intrigued there, but I am. I, I think that is a huge, huge detriment to Devonte Smith for the foreseeable. Yeah, I to- I totally agree. It's like Devonte Smith feels like a guy who would be, you know, a good match with like I don't know, like obviously everybody's a good match here, but like with Herbert, just somebody who's like you know appreciates a route runner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Totally. A I don't quarterback's know quarterback, you know what I mean? Yes. Like not one of the running quarterbacks, one of the guys who's going to sit back there and deal. Even a Cousins or a Carr or something like Bingo. that could Thank deal you. nicely, right? Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not looking good because we look at A.J. Brown. He had like 65% of the team's air yards, 45% of the targets, and that's not going to sustain, obviously. But that, <laughs> 60, that 64% of air yards was only 95 air yards, Jack. So that means in the entire game, the Eagles only put up about 150 air yards. So what's really going to be left like that's not going to be game to game obviously a direct comparison but like this team's not going to be putting the ball up in the air letting guys run under it a lot they're going to be wanting guys to do work after the catch and they want to run the fucking ball yeah we talked about this uh pre-season with nate liss and others i think but specifically i remember talking about with nate it was like these two teams are like you know almost mirror images of each other the san francisco and Philadelphia in terms of like Debo is AJ, uh, Kittle and Goddard, and then Ayuk and uh, Devontae Smith. And, you know, Lance's, like I said, wishes he was Jalen Hurts. It's like, you know, the and good O line. Yeah. The, the passing volume, the sort of, right, the rushing quarterback, the how much the run pass split. There's just a lot of similarities. I, th- I think that Philadelphia is a much more graduated version of it, which is why I'm even more worried about the weapons in San Francisco. But, you know, we talked about how there's just a squeeze. There's a, there's a squeeze of how many targets, like, you know, if you look at the targets outside of AJ Brown, it was Gainwell, Goddard and Devonte Smith with all with four. And then Sanders with two Pascal and some guy fucking backup tight end had one, you know, it's like yeah. four, 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 two, one, one. That's it. Like the Not yards, much. the yards, this is all of the passing. Like he had 243 yards. So like, okay, I'm ready to hear the yards. 12, 60, zero, nine, and seven. That's how many yards players got outside of AJ Brown. Like not a lot at all. Fucking not much, you know? So it's like, yeah, there's just not enough volume. And that's in a game they scored 38. That's a, yeah. What the fuck? You know what I mean? So they're going to just have a touch squeeze and an opportunity squeeze that is not very, very good. And I think that I'm with you. I think it is a bit of future casting. And Devontae Smith is going to be is going to have a hard time, you know, having weekly playability in all formats. Totally. And he could be a great receiver and he probably is a solid receiver, but I don't think we're just going to get the opportunity to see that. He's probably not going to flourish here while AJ Brown is there unless something 
has a stark change on that offense. And I don't see that happening because so far it's a winning formula. Their defense is better. Uh, They run the ball like their their running back room is fucking garbage, but it works because (laughs) Jalen Hurts is like what that running game flows through. And then the other guys, defenses are just like, fuck, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and uh, Kenneth Gainwell, not worried about those guys until you should be worried about them. Miles Sanders almost put up a hundo this week. I was going to say, how dare you with Miles Sanders? Just so oh, you I know, love him. I love dude, him. I was calling Miles Sanders as a as a huge buy. I loved him. I think in this week shows it. You know, he, he was 13 carries for 96 yards, 7.4 a rip again. And he scored a touchdown, got a couple targets, but the big numbers has been has been his yards per attempt. And then, you know, last year he had great yards per attempt. Do you remember exactly how many touchdowns he scored last year? Zilch. Fucking zero, zero bro. Nah, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, he already absolutely out- zero. That was his first <laughs> touchdown this week, was his first touchdown in over a year. Right. So I mean, like the touchdown upside was coming. It came in, in week one. And and the and the yards per attempt are still there. So in this offense, I think Miles Sanders has a chance. Look, it, the, the old the old saying, what's his middle name? If he can stay healthy. If, yeah. You know, <laughs> Miles, if he can stay healthy, Sanders, right? But, you know, look, that that's the case with all these running backs, right? You know, if they can stay healthy, they're going to be good. Well, Miles Sanders, if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, could have a, an absolutely huge year. There's a receipt of me saying that on this pod, and I stick to it. I like Moving it. on. The receipt king speaks. Moving on. We're going to Atlanta. Another winner. I mean, wow. I know they lost the game, but, like, <laughs> He looks competent, right? Dude, I don't know, man. Mariota looked fucking great, number one. Yeah. Like, he looked, he didn't look good. He looked great. Like, he looked great. He was running, and I mean, he looked outstanding. I'm just telling you what I saw. Like, he looked great. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, um, New Orleans defense isn't as good as I thought. Like, he just looked really good. And then the other thing I wanted to say, I want to say that number two is Cordero Patterson. I swear, I, I don't say this. He looked like a top five running back in the NFL. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, go watch that fucking game. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying he looked like it. He was running dudes over. Like, he, his balance, his speed, his quickness. Like, he's 225 pounds, just fucking trucking dudes. He looked outstanding. He's one of the best pass receivers, dude. I thought they looked outstanding. What say you, Mister Trav? Yeah, I think uh, Patterson has looked that way since t- certain times last season as well. He looked totally. really, really good. Like, it's insane that they just took this guy who was a first-round wide receiver, that they turned him into a full-on fucking running back, and he's so good. So good. And if you, you say he's an elite pass catcher, he only had three receptions in that game as well. So think of the ceiling if they can get him the ball more. And I think Marcus Mariota, his skill set can be very conducive to Cordero Patterson having some nice reception games. And I like this offense for Marcus Mariota as well because the coach, Arthur Smith, used to be in Tennessee who ran that – like, you remember that one year where Ryan Tannehill and that offense just had like absolutely astronomic efficiency yes. and very safe play, um, high efficiency, run the ball? Like this team can be that. And I think, you know – they can get by on that with having maybe what's perceived to be as not necessarily a loaded offense as of yet. Right. I think they can get by on the fact that the scheme around them puts them in good positions. And yeah, I think Mariota was a winner. He ran for 72 yards. If he's doing that, he's a quarterback fucking one Jax. Yes, exactly. And you know, a lot of it was like this stretch play action and it was either stretch 
handoff to fucking Patterson, who was just ripping the ripping the edge and like literally embarrassing dudes around the corner and like I mean playing just great. I, obviously, he was stuffed a few times too, but like he had a bunch of big plays. And, and if not, it would be the play action on that play, and somehow or another, like Mariota would be by himself, like patting the ball, like just fucking surveying and like waiting for someone to break open. And then if not, he would just take off and he was faster than everybody. Else. I was like, this looks like it could work forever. Like, I was just like, yeah. holy shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and of course they took their foot off the gas to try and like milk the clock and win it at the end. And of course that always fails, but like to get their lead, like they were just, I don't know, man, the, you go watch the first two and a half, three quarters of that game and if you didn't know shit about nothing, like you didn't know Atlanta was one of the worst rosters, you didn't know Mariota was like getting his last shot, you'd be like, oh, is this the best team in the NFL? Is Patterson the fucking, oh, he must be the number one running back in the entire league. Like that's the way it looked. And another guy who looked pretty good uh, was Drake London. And I thought, you know, he just he just afforded himself well. He's hurt. But he, he came out and looked really good across the middle, tough catches. You know, he, he didn't look too big and slow. He looked actually pretty quick and I don't, I don't know. He looked great. So all that being said, and somehow Kyle Pitts had fucking two catches, like seven oh, targets, two catches. Like he's kind of the loser in this thing, but feels to me like Kyle Pitts is just a absolute screaming dynasty by uh, this might've been your like little window open into someone just being like a little nervous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think just to touch on London as well, I yeah. think both of the, for both of those guys, it is uh, a kind of tells us a little bit more about what their floors are, right? It tells us that Drake London probably has a little bit more floor than what maybe I was thinking coming into the season. Like I thought his floor was going to be nothing just because this offense is going to be so terrible, but that was really nice to see from him. And it shows us that there is, you know, some floor for Kyle Pitts. It's not all ceiling, right? So it's going to kind of depend on how this offense works. But yeah, if people are selling him off of that game and what he did in that game specifically, you buy the shit out of him because he should be your dynasty tight end one. He should be a first round draft pick in dynasty startups right now. Yeah, he's dynasty tight end one for sure, but he's not necessarily apparently the sort of earth mover in fantasy that Travis Kelsey is as of right now. You know, he's not on that level. He doesn't have that sort of every week schemed into it where he's just that dominant. And and I don't necessarily know why, but either way, it's just not there. You know, I'm not here to tell you why. It's just not there yet. Um, you know, targets were seven and seven for London and Pitts, uh, five for Patterson, and then sort of everybody else. And, you know, um, Zacchaeus had a couple big catches. He was four for four for 49 yards. He he looked pretty good out there. I mean, it's either Zacchaeus or Brian Edwards, and it certainly certainly wasn't Brian Edwards. Um, 35 (laughs) snaps. Was it ever? (laughs) I know, dude. It just don't – let me have my moment, would you? I mean, this is my podcast. Did you have to do (laughs) that? No, it's so true, man. Blind spot fucking city over here just fucking – isn't Brian Edwards going to be good? Oh, uh, there no. was some good, there was some good processing within all of that, so I'm not hating on that by any means. I mean, it isn't over still somehow. <laughs> I just keep <laughs> he's dead already. Stop, you know. But that's like, um, Amir, that's like Amir Abdullah for me, buddy. I'm still on that. <laughs> yes. Oh, this must have been rough then when they're like, like I think I told everybody like you can drop fucking Amir Abdullah, and then he signs with uh, the Raiders, and everybody's like, he's the pass catching back, and I I'm like, oh shit, maybe I fucked that one up, and that's like. 
no, no, he's yeah, he was droppable. You could go. Yeah, it's it's more of a bit at this point than me actually still being in on Amir Abdullah. I just think it's like if Ken if Kenneth Dixon was still in the league, I'd oh, still Jesus. be fucking on him too. I remember that dude. I thought he had a flak jacket on. It was just his belly, you know. That was like oh, I think that guy's gonna be out of the league. Um, <laughs> this is a true story. I sent that picture to my brother. I'm like, because he loved Kenneth Dixon too. I was like, this year, motherfucker. You know? Yeah, he was he was he was, he was thick. Um, but Zacchaeus versus Edwards, you know, I, we talked about this, um, you know, uh, last week, or I, I mentioned it, you know, 45 plays for Zacchaeus, 35 for Brian Edwards, 24 routes for Zacchaeus, 18 for, uh, Edwards, but unfortunately the four, you know, targets to one and, you know, four catches to zero. So, uh, yeah, Edwards was not there and Hey man, it is what it is. You know, we'll have to see what happens going forward. Uh, it is good enough to see that he was on the field enough, um, but uh, yeah, didn't didn't come through for you on the Brian Edwards. So sorry about that. But I still think uh, Pitts is an obvious obvious buy. Another winner, the Washington Seawards. <laughs> huh? Say it. Fucking no, say it. <laughs> the Washington Seawards went out there with Carson Wentz and completed a victory. Did yeah. they not? My, my boy, Carson Wentz, right? Yes, <laughs> your boy. Eagle. Yes. He was my boy for a time. Yes, he was. But yeah, I uh, I talked about it a little bit on my show this week. I had a Tuesday wa- waiver show that I dropped. And just if we see the signs that we're seeing from the commander's team, we like what we're seeing for Carson Wentz and for the weapons around him. 41 pass attempts, like we're down for that, right? That was fourth most in the NFL. I think he put up three touchdowns and he put a three hundy burger on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So encouraging signs. We've seen streaky stretches of really good quarterback play from Carson Wentz. So you just have to expect that going forward, streaky quarterback play. And if you get consistency, it's a cherry on top, right? So um, yeah, I uh, I thought Carson Wentz was one of the biggest waiver pickups this week for those streaming teams. They got Detroit, who got carved up by my bird gang. So <laughs> I think that's pretty good. I think long term, like he's going to be a stopgap starter. Like he's not going to turn into the franchise for the Washington Seawards. There you but, go. Uh, I think he's going to be a serviceable, like a, a serviceable streamer plus. I called him on uh, on the show this week. Yeah, it's more fun to say C words. Um, I agree with you. Well, I said the artists formerly known as the football team, but I yeah, that's, that's fine too. Anything other than the fucking commandos, where you know, it's just like stay off it. Um, but like, yeah, I think. Um, look, this was an interesting outcome. I said last week that Washington was going to be facing. To me, it's like, what better could you ask for in Week One than to be home against a team that won like two games last year, whatever it was, right? Like. You know, yeah, oh, Urban Meyer's gone. Look, the team still is not good. Like, it's not like, oh, Jacksonville's coming in, be afraid. No, that doesn't exist. You know, Doug Peterson goes in there. Yeah, that's better, but that doesn't make their team good. It doesn't make their defense all of a sudden fucking good. So I think it was a good matchup for them. And so when you look at, like, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, and, you know, even down to Jahan Dotson, all these guys performed well, Carson Wentz, but in a game where they played a really shitty opponent. So we'll see how they sort of bounce back in, in, in better matchups. But as you point out, it, look, Detroit, Detroit's feisty as hell, man. I, I thought you guys were going to have your hands full, Philly that is, and, and you certainly did, man. They were, they, they, they were primed and they ready to go. They back on us. Yeah, I thought it was over with six minutes left. I was like, ah. you know, making lunch or some shit. And it's like, oh, damn. It's a three-point I mean, game here, guys. 
have you, you know, what do you think of my take uh, that they should trade immediately for Gardner Minshew and just start him right now and that team might be Detroit? Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that adds like a, like a definitely fun because Gardner Minshew's awesome. Fuck yeah, dude. Exactly. Adds, if you're going to, yeah, they're not like, yeah. are they winning the Super Bowl with either guy? Probably not. But which way is way more entertaining and fun? Gardner. Yeah, there's a little more YOLO element to Gardner Minshew, yes. and we like that. Like, look what he did with the Eagles when he got that start last year. He just absolutely torched whoever they were playing. And yes. he put up bigger, the wide receivers put up bigger numbers than they did all year with Jalen Hurts. Right. Uh, yeah, Gardner is a ton of fun. I think that'd be a great little addition. I think Goff is like serviceable, but he's just yeah. kind of um, Whereas, you know, Gardner's Mr. Steel Yo Girl back there. Right. And of course, the Dan Campbell Gardner Minshew fucking marriage made in heaven. I would run through like 10 brick walls back to back to back for those two motherfuckers. They would move into like a giant RV together and just fucking, you know, just pound ice coffee. Off the grid and, living. Yeah. Yes, dude. Wear like jean shorts and like cut off fucking flannels, you know? Like, I don't know, man. They would just, it'd be partying in that motherfucker. I need mm-hmm. it so bad. Like, please just do this. Any Detroit fan who doesn't want this, I, I, you, you and I don't see eye to eye. Like, what? No, no. Continue with the Jared Goff. Like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, anybody but Jared. Like, Jared Goff is almost too good. I'd rather have like Mike Glennon at this point. Like, you know, like, like <laughs> get the first pick, give me Bryce Young, and let's move on. But this Goff situation, my goodness, it's like he's. Oh yeah, he's like I don't know, man. It's just he's a nice boy, isn't he? You know, it's like ah, all right. <laughs> he's a real nice boy. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I just can't, I can't get there, but I thought, look, Curtis Samuel, um, you know, were you a little bit of a Curtis Samuel truther back in the day? No, no, no. huh? <laughs> no, I thought he was kind of gimmicky and gadgety a little bit. Um, I definitely respect what he ended up doing to prove me a little bit wrong. I think there's a little bit that of that to his game still, but I think yeah. he's, he's shown that he can do a little bit more than that. Um, I mean, 11 Targets last week with Washington, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah. I think that's over 30% of the team's tar- tar- targets, at least 25%. So I think that's great for him. I think long-term, I'm not necessarily buying into CSAM. I'd probably go a little bit more towards Jahan Dotson, uh, but I uh, I liked what all these guys did, to be honest. Terry McLaurin is like a top 15, almost top 12 wide receiver for me. Uh, so I, I kind of like what Washington's doing. McLaurin still has some target issues. Um, he had four. I mean, yeah. he had two catches. Now, granted, one was a 49-yarder, and he scored a touchdown. So, I mean, you know, there's a little bit of masking his – like if he had had just – you know, if if that ball doesn't even go in the end, end zone, he's, you know, he's, you know, four targets, two catches for 55 yards or whatever. You know, you're like, mm, OK, not like great. it's not yeah. as yeah, you're kind of worried. So I don't know. I'm not saying it's all good with with him, you know, and it's not like Curtis Ham is going to see 11 targets every week. Um, Antonio Gibson is kind of the story here, too, man. You know, he had eight targets, seven catches, 72 yards, uh, ran the ball 14 times for 58 yards. Not bad. Uh, stayed out of the end zone, which kind of, you know, protected his big week and kind of masked it a little bit. Um, but he, he is he working himself back into sort of primary back role here, or is this like just until the the bullet wounds heal? <laughs> well, I think you know when Brian Robinson does come back, I think he'll have something to say about first and, da- and second down work. But yep. I think by the time he gets back, Antonio Gibson could say, "Give me that and take that role." You know, Possibly. I think like 
the carries are fine. Like getting 10, 15 carries is just fine. But seeing him heavily out target JD McKissick was a really, really encouraging sign. Seven receptions for 72. That's 14 points alone in your PPR leagues. Like you said, give him that touchdown and that's a massive week. So he is in probably going to be within my weekly rankings, a top 15 running back um, and probably hovers around that for until we see Brian Robinson come and take some of that work. So yeah, I think he is definitely in the, uh, the main running back role for Washington and should be an absolute player for your fantasy teams. Like he is a, a start every week running back to until further notice for me. Yeah. This guy, uh, DM me, you know, I've got, you know, you know how it is and asked me this advice. And I was like, man, I, I didn't know how to answer. It's a tough one. It was like 10 team league. He's light at running back. And he was like, should I trade Elijah Moore for Antonio Gibson? And my initial reaction was no, but then I'm like, well, I mean, God, you know, 10 team league. league? Huh? Was it redraft? No, no, no. Dynasty. I mean, (coughs) yeah. In Dynasty, you want to say no. I mean, redraft. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, but in in Dynasty, it's like, man, you don't want to give up on Elijah Moore just for like maybe a who knows how many game rental or is Gibson. That's kind of what got me thinking. Like, is this a turn the corner moment for Gibson where he like reasserts himself. And it's like for the next two years, he's kind of a lead back or Mm -hmm. is it like a little bit of a mirage where like he sort of fades back, especially when Brian Robinson comes back. And I think the Elijah Moore sort of in a 10 team league, especially because, you know, Elijah is not a top, you know, 20 player. So, I mean, like, you know, you know what I mean? So it's like anybody after that doesn't matter, but starting running backs do. So I don't mind trading your, wide receiver four, five, six for, you know, a guy could be your RB two, you know, um, in a 10 team league, you know? So it was like, Oh man, I don't know what the advice is here. It's tough. Cause the question hinges on this Antonio Gibson sort of future. And it's fucking hard to see, man. My crystal ball is broken. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too, man. Cause I can't really see it either. And I think he could come in and have two serviceable years, but it really depends. Like, I don't think he's going to get back to full bell cow duties because with Brian Robinson there and JD McKissick there, I think he has guys eating into mm. both parts of his roles at some point, but I think he could still be like the lead guy of that triumvirate. So, yeah. so to say, um, but I just think he's like, he'll be somewhere in between last season levels mm-hmm. and peak Brian Robinson levels of this off season, If that makes sense when yeah. nobody wanted Antonio Gibson. I yeah. Think I think that's a, I think that's about right. Cause here's the thing. Like it looks like a big disparity with um, f- from McKissick to, you know, it was like, you know, McKissick had like 20 yards and you know, he had way more, but like, if you look at the snaps, right. Um, Gibson played 49 McKissick 31, you know, 27 routes to 19. So the pass game could get a lot closer, uh, in the coming weeks. And if, if Gibson is a little less of that eight target guy that we saw in week one and he fades back a little bit and McKissick sort of steals back some of that pass down work, that's the fear. And you know, that, that, that's where I'm at. Anyway, a cool little offense here where it's like kind of a solved equation, you know, Samuel's that gadgety slot guy and Dotson is a, is a buy right now. eh? 
Oh, yeah. I really like Dotson. He played on 88% of the team's snaps. Um, very lucky he got the touchdowns because he did not get very, very many targets. But I think with that much involvement, 88% of the snaps, that's 17% of the snaps more than Curtis Samuel, who was on in on 71% of the snaps. Uh, right. I think that you can't ignore that kind of involvement as the number two wide receiver on a team where Logan Thomas is no longer cemented as a stud tight end. Um, like you said, we don't really know what that running back target share is going to look like from week to week so yeah Deshaun Dot I keep doing this I almost called him Deshaun Deshaun Dotson on the pod the other day Jahan Dotson I got to get get that right uh but yeah I think he is definitely a buy because he's not going to take over for Terry McLaurin because Terry McLaurin is an elite player in my book yeah but I think he could creep up into um sniffing the jock jock strap at least <laughs> of Terry McLaurin you know what I mean like He's uh he's gonna be up there, and this team could have for it, the next three years two really nice, productive wide receivers on the roster if they get good quarterback play. Yeah, it, and here's the thing: is like they played them um, sixty nine and sixty eight snaps out of whatever seventy, whatever it was, seventy seven or whatever, and so like they're the starting wide receivers. You know what I mean? Exactly. They're the two starting wide receivers in two tight uh, two wide receiver sets and. Samuel played like 55 out of them. So obviously that's the, 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 the three wide sets and, you know, the next wide receiver, there was nobody really. It was like, you know, Cam Sims and Dax Milne played like eight and six, like just barely got on the, on the field. Diami Brown, poor one out played three snaps. So you, I'm pouring yeah. it. I love oh, rough I stuff, rough stuff. Like that hurts. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, Hey, you know, that, I think that's kind of it. And my boy, my boy came back and played a hell of a game was just awesome is Logan Thomas. And so, yeah. you know, I was holding tight with Logan Tom, dude, I wanted Logan Thomas to break out last year when he was a year younger and healthier. And then he hurt himself. That was a rough one. Cause I thought Logan Thomas was a huge um, play last year. And of course, just, you know, the whole season was spoiled with injury comes back at six targets, three catches for 45, Plays a bunch. I think this is a, a little bit of a resurgence for him. You know, I know six targets doesn't sound like a lot, but I think it was like second in, in, in tight ends. It wasn't really, but it was like, it was yeah, close. you know, yeah. Right. It was really close. I think I have him a fair bit above consensus for my weekly rankings. I don't have my weeklies pulled up because I know you're a dynasty podcast, but I think I have him like four or five spots above consensus this week just yeah. because I see that opportunity. And Carson Wentz has been known to pepper the tight end with targets in the past. Um, the target totem pole here is not clearly defined behind Terry McLaurin as much as we love Dotson and Samuel. Basically, what we're saying here, Jax, is there's a lot of opportunity to be had in Washington and some skilled players who can do some something with that opportunity right we know they're going to run a lot of three wide receiver sets which has logan thomas as the single tight end on the field so like you said there is definition in this offense that we can confidently attack because we know where some of that volume is going and logan thomas is absolutely a part of that equation bingo and, and logan thomas two years ago was the highest um snap share tight end in the nfl Period. He played more than anybody else. He did so again this week, which is kind of what was good. I mean, he didn't play every snap. He was a little bit less than that, but on the field, and they started to get him on, uh, you know, going, which is good because he was hurt. So there was questions as to whether or not he even get on the field for week one. You know, so him being there and then being targeted. By the way, uh, six targets ranks eleventh. Uh, you know, you know, Kyle Pitts, T.J. Hawkinson had seven. You know what I mean? It was he had exactly. a, Mark pretty Andrews close. had seven. Yeah, it was right there. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty good week, you know, to have six targets 
um, you know, in, uh, on a team where, you know, Samuel got 11, Gibson got eight. You know, so it was like even the the secondary guys got a lot of targets. He was able to get some targets. I think, it, you know, you're right. The target share is not clear, but I think the opportunity of playing time is very clear. It's it's just yeah. what we said. So, yeah, very interesting spot for uh, Logan Thomas. I would say go buy him because I think he's going to play a lot and he's got some upside. And he's going to be cheap too, right? And he kind exactly. of feels like he feels like the type of like the type of player that Carson Wentz would just attach to. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's totally. Something about it. It's, it's not a tangible thing. We're going to go, this is a, the rapid fire sort of okay. close to the show. We got some cool stuff and, and uh, here, here it goes. So just some stuff I was looking at and uh, you know, everybody loves Adam Troutman, but um, you know, with Taysom Hill, Juwan Jots, <laughs> easy for me to say, Juwan Johnson, it's like Jahan Dotson over here, Juwan Johnson and Adam Troutman. How do you see this shit going down? I think I've got so to figure talking, it out, but what are, are you talking think? rest of the season here? Yeah. The fucking future, man. Tell us the future of these motherfuckers. Okay, I'm not diving into any of these guys past 2022, but this yeah. year I am taking Jawan Jot. Ju- <laughs> I told you. <laughs> Fuck. Jawan yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Um, he had 73% of the snaps this week where Troutman had 40 and Taysom Hill had 27. Taysom Hill was the tight end three, but he had an 80-yard touchdown run. Jawan Johnson, five targets. Troutman only ran five routes and Taysom Hill only ran three routes. So give me yes. Jawan Johnson for the rest yeah, I of the think, season. I think Jawan Johnson is their sort of pass down weapon. They were trying to come back in this game. I do think you got to be a little careful of that playing time because it was all late. Now he played fuck he looked good out there. Like he was hurtling dudes and shit. But um but I think it's like one of those things where, you know, if they're up and winning, you're not going to see a lot of JJ out there. You're going to see more Troutman, he's the better blocker, etc. Um I think you know I said it last week, you know, I thought Taysom Hill could offer value. And I wasn't sure how they, my whole question was, how will they deploy him? I never once thought, and I still don't think that Taysom Hill is going to be a um, high volume, like tight end running routes player, period. No, that's not happening. But how they did use him around the goal line. He did run it in near the goal line. He did have an 80 yard run. Like, He can catch the ball, throw the ball, and rush the ball. And for a tight end, like we just said that, you know, seven tight ends was like second in the NFL. Uh, Seven targets was second in the NFL for tight ends. A tight end that can do more than just be, you know, tied to the quarterback's fucking fickle nature. He can just go in there and score it himself. So I think he does offer value at the tight end position in regards to fantasy. And You know what I'm saying? And and Juwan Johnson is going to be one of those guys where it's like if New Orleans is playing like Tampa, for instance, or whatever, where they're going to have to score, you know, it's like, well, maybe it's a good it's a good week to to play him uh, in, in tight end. He could be sneaky. I like him a lot. He's gained some weight. And, and if he can block, he can stay on the field because he's certainly a better receiver than, than Troutman. Absolutely. And uh, we know that history of the New Orleans Saints with the athletic tight ends, Jimmy Graham and Juwan Johnson's a former wide wide receiver, is he not? A la Colston. Yeah. Beautiful. I like it. Hey, I wanted to get this one on on wax. I think Khalil Herbert's better than David Montgomery. And I think at some point someone in the Chicago organization might find out. Wow, that's a bold statement. I don't know if you ever saw that graphic on ESPN where uh, <laughs> David Mon- David Montgomery basically has the vision of Saquon Barkley, yeah. um, the touchdown scoring ability of Ladainian Tomlinson, yeah. or whatever it says. Yeah, he's the, the feet of Adrian Peterson, the strength <laughs> and vision of yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a cyborg. 
No, I'm not quite on that level, Jax. And I've got a couple of stats here and whatnot, but I know we want to keep this uh, no, rapid go for fire. It, so before, well, basically, okay, hey, the only reason we're, hey, let me just clear this up. The only reason we're rapid fire is because you've got four kids at home and you got to like oh, go yeah. make some fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches before midnight tonight. But <laughs> the people don't give a shit. I, you know, the, the loyal listeners of this program actually like it when it starts getting, you know, long and we just talk into the middle of the night about literally Khalil Herbert versus David Montgomery. This is why they're here. They're like, please just fucking give me the crack cocaine I want and tell me that Khalil Herbert is better than David Montgomery. Damn it. All right. One sec. Okay. There you go. Let's um, do it. And th- thanks for that peek behind the fourth wall to tell all the people that I'm going to make the lunches after this because I am going to make lunches for the kids after this. Sad. Don't uh, have kids, is, folks. This, <laughs> this is our time, Jax. The kids are in bed right now, so we are capitalizing. And David Montgomery still outsnapped Khalil Herbert 65% of the snaps to 28% of the snaps. He outtouched him 2-1 to one as well. This offensive line is terrible. So for me, I'm going to take the guy that's getting the volume. It's just a bad offensive situation. I don't think it's going to be like coming into the season with Justin Fields. I thought it was going to be decent because Justin Fields can take some of that pressure away in the run game as well. But seeing how bad this offensive line has been, it's going to be fucking rough for those running backs. Um, And yeah, I just, we, we haven't really seen Khalil Herbert get the majority of the work. It's a sixth round pick jacks. I went back to, uh, stat head and looked at all the sixth round running backs from the last five years. And the only names that we have ever cared about are Ty Johnson and Boston Scott, which is not great, Bob. Um, so Elijah Mitchell. Like, was he a fifth? Round? I don't think you, I think he might've been a fifth or a seventh round. Cause he wasn't in the sixth round group that I, I saw on stat head there. Unless I missed something, which is actually entirely possible as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't mind. I don't mind Khalil Herbert as the backup in Chicago because I think this is probably the best opportunity he gets <clears> and <throat> like the the clearest path he has to flex worthy play. But I think in the future, say if he bounces around teams, I don't think he's going to get a path any clearer than this one. So I'm sticking with David Montgomery because I just don't think that uh, Khalil Herbert's going to pan out. Well, let me just tell you. The first reason that I think he's better. Ready? Listen carefully. Okay. All right. That's number okay. one. That's number one. All right. Number two, Khalil Herbert fucking cracks beer. Um, that's number. That's second in line for show title. Listen, David Montgomery had one and a half yards per carry this past week. I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm just saying that we might want to check into that number. Now you could say, well, the defense, this, that, and the other, who knows what, they're per- facing this and that. You know, in the same game, Khalil Herbert saw five yards of carry. And you're like, well, yards per carry can be a little bit, you know, not everything comes down to yards per carry. Although I will say it is the goal to gain more yards when you run the ball. Little known fact, not everybody knows that because I'm, this is, Never heard you know, that. no, I have a podcast. This is what, you know. People come to hear the hard-hitting fucking analysis. But last year was the same thing. Herbert was 4-2. Montgomery was 3.8. I just think that he's a better running back, you know, or at least as good, you know. And I think that – I think at some point, look, this is the last season for David Montgomery. I think they might start to move in the Khalil Herbert direction at some point uh, or at least – a little bit better split. I mean, you have to, you can't ignore it. At some point you have to look and go, Hey, wait, that guy gains more yards every fucking time than this motherfucker. Maybe we should play him. So that's all I'm saying, man. Uh, Give me some Khalil Herbert because I think his role could expand and God forbid if something could happen to, to David, I would attribute, I would attribute that yards per carry directly to the offensive line. Because if we look at Khalil Herbert and his yards 
before contact per attempt. So basically what his offensive line is blocking for him, they were blocking 3.2 yards before contact per attempt for him. David That's Montgomery, because the hole closes up when David Montgomery's slow ass finally gets to it. 0.12 yards before contact. And I've never been a Montgomery truther, like yeah. never, ever, ever, ever. Like I always exactly the same as you, like, David Montgomery has never met a defender that he could run away from. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's fair. But I do think that this offensive line does have a little bit of impact in that. Um, and I think uh, better days are ahead for old Monty. Yeah. I mean, Monty's, you know, God bless him. I, I wish him nothing but the best. Um, zero shares, zero cares. Have a nice evening, David Montgomery. Now, here's the big one. This is like, you know, this is like people were tweeting at me. This is the one that got the most Twitter action from me because I was like, you're free to drop OJ Howard. Just go <laughs> ahead. Like, I've been a truther since fucking day one. Like, I was like, he's the next Kittle. The whole thing, like, I'm in 100% as he's coming out of college. Like, this is the guy. Don't fucking sleep on him. Let's go. OJ Howard. And then he like bounces around, like goes to Buffalo. They're like, no, we don't. Honestly, you're so weird. Yeah, get on out of here. It's $3 million, but we'd rather light it on fire. Please. Could you go home now? Right. And then he signs with Houston. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, sure. You know, this is just a fucking, you know, mercy signing and uh, goes out two catches, two touchdowns, you know, it's like third or fourth best uh, fantasy production of his career. Uh, eat it, Jax. Uh, or not so fast. Which one is it? Um, it is not so fast on OJ Howard. And the reason being, he ran five routes and got yep. targeted twice on five routes. Bingo. 16% of the team snaps. Brevin Jordan, on the other hand, who I was pretty high on coming out of the process, 57% of the snaps, 23 routes run. That was a flash in the pan is not going to happen again for OJ Howard. There's actually a few guys this week that scored multiple touchdowns. Dontrell Hilliard was one of them as well. Like Dontrell yes. Hilliard with about zero opportunity. The motherfucker scored two touchdowns. So um, that's just kind of a testament to the old statement. Don't overreact to week one, right? Like, that's right. Not overreact. OJ Howard, talented player. First round draft pick. I was in the same boat as you, Jax, but you have to react to new information. And the new information that. is that OJ Howard fucking sucks. <laughs> Great job. Great job. I tried to trick you into answering it with, yeah, man, let's fucking bring him down. No, you fucking so smart. Trav. Travis Seal, everybody. You proud of yourself Thanks, for that brother. answer. Thanks, brother. We Tell didn't talk about that. a pre-show. I tried to trick you. You fucking did it. That's correct. You look, Farrell Brown played 46 snaps, Brevin Jordan 42, OJ Howard played 12. Like, yeah. get out of here. You know, this was a, 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 you know, tight end score touchdown sometime. And look, I get it. He's a, he's a big play player, even when he's playing, but, you know, he's not a blocker. He, he had an awful run blocking grade from PFF. I didn't watch him run block. I didn't fucking analyze that shit. But of the three, <laughs> even when it comes to Brevin Jordan, who's not known as a run blocker, he was worse than both of those guys. Farrell Brown and Brevin Jordan were apparently better at blocking, and they played more, and they ran way more routes. This is a very false flag. So you could still fucking drop O.J. Howard and not really worry about it in the future. Don't run to your waiver wire trying to pick him up. It's an absolute not-so-fast. Great job, buddy. Woo! Here's another one. Okay. It's one of two things here. 
either Damian Pierce was the absolute best preseason story ever that people fell for hook, line, and sinker, and he's just a guy, or he's going to wrestle this shit away, man. He's the guy. He's coming. It's inevitable. Don't fucking worry. Damian Pierce is going to push Rex Burkhead's little old ass out the way and fucking assert his dominance. Which way are you going? I think Damian Pierce is going to come in and get the majority at some point, but I don't think it's going to be pure dominance majority. I think Rex is going to stay involved, but I do think like kind of like the TDP and Jeff Wilson talk where I said TDP is the ascending asset here. And then Jeff Wilson's kind of seeing his best case to Ontario and it's only down from here for him. Kind of the same deal. Like that was the best thing that could have happened for Rex Burkhead in fantasy football in week one was getting 70 plus percent snaps, eight targets the guy got. Um, so I think Damian Pierce is the ascending asset and he's going to take over that job by mid season, but not fully take over that job to where he's like a 70% snap getter. I think it'll be like a 65 to 35 split potentially, but they have to give Pierce the shot. This team's not going anywhere to the point where they need sex lurkhead being in there as their number one running back. So, um, mm. Yeah, we, we love Lurkhead over here, um, but Damian Pierce has got to be the guy that they give a shot to because this team is young and they have nothing to lose. I mean, Rex Burkhead is kind of a porn name, right? I mean, well, that's why we call him. Or, uh, this is totally Ty's brainchild. Yeah. It's not mine, but Sex Lurkhead is just so fitting. It's just yeah. such a fitting alias. It's a porn name. Because he's it's always like, lurking. Yeah. And it's, yeah, he's something else, man. Let me, let me break it down. What I said last week going into this game was it's going to be, you're going to have to watch and see whether or not Damian Pierce gets the pass down work because that's the stuff that fucking matters in fantasy football. And there was really no idea. We had no clue as to whether or not he would or would not actually get pass down work in this game, in the season or in his lifetime. We have no idea. He doesn't have the draft capital that would say, I'm going to give it a shot and you're going to give it to me now, motherfucker. His agent's not calling anybody on Monday morning saying, hey, what happened? Uh, they're like, yeah, he's a fourth round pick. Thanks very much. you know. So there's nothing there that says that it will or won't happen, but we had to watch it. Week one, the tail of the tape is, eh, he's not getting it. Okay? Because, look, 14 carries to 11. That's pretty close. Yep. So clearly when they're handing the ball off, 14 for Rex Burkhead, 11 for Damian Pierce, very close. Routes run, 26 to 5. That's That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. And until that shit changes, then Damian Pierce is just another story because that is what makes a fantasy running back, period. So just fucking can it. Until that happens, keep watching. Keep watching, folks. As soon as he starts to even that number out, then you can start to get excited about Damian Pierce. Until that moment, I'm sorry, Ryan, but you lit a 23 first on fire, you motherfucker. <laughs> I you saw. Like I, I like that because I You're saw in that, that league. Too. I am in that league. Yeah, I saw another league where um, Tyreek Hill was the centerpiece of a trade for Damian Pierce with some other ancillary pieces, but it Ugh. was um, it was fairly close to like Tyreek Hill for Damian Pierce plus, and it was. Yeah ugly and uh yeah i ruffled some feathers chirping that one but i could not be silent (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's something. Another guy that I gave you guys last week, and if you went out and got him, you were thanking me, Devin Duvernay. You know, it's it's funny. You got that little wide receiver two in an offense that you're not so sure about the passing game, Devin Duvernay, versus the guy who showed out a little bit, had a big touchdown also, Robbie Anderson in Dynasty or Redraft. I mean, uh, let's go Redraft. Who, who are you prioritizing on the waiver wire between those two? You can only get one of them. Who do you want? It's Robbie by a pretty wide margin. And I, I think that's fair. I was a huge fan of Duvernay coming out. I thought he was going to be a great, he's almost like a little bowling ball style wide receiver. Like he can do a lot of work after the catch in the slot. Really good receiver. Did not like the landing spot because that team in Baltimore does not want to throw the ball. And you said he was the wide receiver too. I'm not so sure that he is Jax. Him and Demarcus Robinson were fairly mm. close in snap share. Love fairly that answer. close there. Um, and I'm not sure we care about the wide receiver two in Baltimore, to be honest with you, because he's probably going to max out at 50% of the team snaps. Four targets is you're happy with the wide receiver two in Baltimore getting four targets because Rashad Master Bateman is looking <laughs> like the stud that we wanted him to be. Uh, Mark Andrews is that alpha tight end that he always has been. And Robbie Anderson played 100% of the snaps for the Panthers last week. Took home a 32% target share. What are you laughing at, Jax? It's huh? <laughs> a lot of dick talk with fucking Seal on the show. I love it. You know, it's Lurkhead. And I don't know what you're so talking good. about. I love everything. <laughs> Rashad masturbating. I had to. Like, that one's like silver platter, right? So yeah, good. Like, nobody else thought about that. Nicknames are my jam. Like I feel you, like you said, I was the best analyst that nobody knows about. I feel like people need to know the nicknames that we come up with here. Fuck on yeah, dude. Pod. Absolutely. Good ones. I was I was great at it too. Like that's part of why I liked Mike Kosicki is because I had a great fucking nickname for him. Like I called him Grease Lightning because if you say his last name as if you're Danny from Greece, he sounds like Egasiki, Egasiki. That's yeah. Grease fucking Lightning, you know? And I think that was a decent name for the old Mike Gasicki, but not for the new Mike Gasicki. He's yeah. I mean, <laughs> the haircut always got me with Gasicki. Anyway. Uh, that's a good answer. I like Robbie Anderson. I think you're absolutely right. I think he's definitely – he's got a chance. I mean, in redraft, you wouldn't go so far as to even consider Robbie Anderson to start week two over DJ Moore, would you? No, I wouldn't be getting that buck right, wild just with checking. it. But I, just like, I, there are points that you could make in that favor. I I'm just see pushing that, you to see I how far you not, go. That's all. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get a disrespectful. Not walking off the plank, buddy. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end, and I don't know how long this one's gonna go because it's really fucking fun. I mean, it is so juicy, isn't it? Okay, hit me. Don't you love hit it? Me. Here it is. It's hard. Last year we had this draft, and it was Najee 1.01, and Javante was like everybody's number three, and Etn was this wild card. Well, now. Najee's got this foot, and he gets about one or two yards every time he touches the football. The offensive line is shit. He's already 28 years old. Like, Najee's a problem. ETN, he's got the foot, you know, and who knows if he's any good. He's got got to deal with James Robinson and, oh, poor Javante. He's got to deal with uh, Melvin Gordon. Looks like that's fucking over. Uh, dude had 11 targets. Absolutely love Javante. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going on this damn thing, but Najee, ETN, and Javante re-rank those motherfuckers in Dynasty going forward today. I know where you're going, Jax, and I'm riding shotgun with you, buddy. <laughs> Javante is the number one on that list. Um, I just think 
the explosive element of his game that he adds that Najee Harris doesn't have puts Javante over him because Javante is probably going to have less volume than Najee, but he's going to explode. And I think in the next two years, he probably gets a bigger piece of that pie because Melvin Gordon's not going to be around for that long. I think I see after this year, Javante Williams could have like a Mike Boone or a standard backup behind him where Javante's getting that work. We saw it in week one. He was so fucking explosive the guy is going to be a big play machine in the mold of nick chubb like nick chubb rips off big plays like they're going out of style and uh, i think javante is going to absolutely be that except he's going to be nick chubb with some targets i was gonna say nick if he's nick chubb light because he's not quite nick chubb he doesn't have the breakaway ability but he's a lot like nick chubb in and around the line of scrimmage if he's nick chubb light with 10 targets sign me the fuck up that's the running back one overall in fantasy football oh absolutely hey by the way I was going to just do Najee versus Etienne, but then I was like, no, no, no. Put Javante in there just so I can get on the mic and fucking dunk all over these motherfuckers with Javante. That, I that love made it. it way sexier too. That made it so way much sexier. more fun. So the real question, it's not Javante because we already know he's easily ahead of those two in Dynasty. No question about it. Javante Williams, who I've been pounding the table for since the uh, last year's rookie draft, is the clear 1.01 in that group. The question now is, do you like ETN more than Najee Harris? I know it's crazy, but think about it. I'm not Seriously. Younger, better passing. I, I, mean, I don't even know if that's true. I was going to say something that might not be true, but I don't know, man. They're both a little sketchy and scary. Already with the injury with Najee, I don't know. What do you think? I just see Najee getting like... <clears throat> almost double the volume ETN gets. You know what I mean? I don't sure. think ETN's going to be cracking 150 carries on the reg. I think they're going to keep his carry total down and try and keep the target total up. I'm not so sure they can do that on a consistent basis. So I will take the three years of top five upside from Najee Harris because I think um, best case scenario for ETN, you're getting like a fringe top 12 running back on the back of like 90 something targets. And I'm not sure that's something that I'm ready to anoint him with. Whereas we've seen it from Najee. He can take that full workload. He's, his efficiency can't get any fucking worse than it was last year. So even if the volume comes down, the efficiency has to come up a little bit if that team is putting pieces around him. So I'm still taking Najee in that conversation. And I think for me, it's probably like a round or two difference. I think Najee would be a back end um, first round running back and Travis Etienne would probably be like a like a third round running back and this might not be very good dynasty startup like valuations as far as rounds because I still get best ball like draft prices in my head sometimes because yes, I didn't do I that many dynasty startups this year but um, I would have those guys probably about a full round in between them uh, with Javante a couple spots ahead of Najee. All right so you're saying that you still prefer Najee over ETN in dynasty yeah it's fair it's fair but is there no world in which etn's just a better football player than Najee harris and i don't know the week one opportunity with james robinson is a little fluky and we see that turn around and the efficiency that Najee's shown for literally two seasons now a full season and in one game is what it is and never really turns around. He's just sort of a David Montgomery-esque running back. Is that possible? Is it in the realm of possibilities? That's definitely possible. I think 
where I'm coming from is that if we look at that draft class, I put Najee ahead of Travis Etienne for reasons. And Najee Harris has shown some things in the NFL that confirm that for me. Travis Etienne hasn't shown me anything in the NFL that disproves that valuation pre-draft. So that's kind of why I'm still there is because I haven't seen it from Travis Etienne. Haven't seen it in this Jags offense, right? And now I know that the Steelers offense is a lot different from a quarterback perspective, and we don't really know what how that's going to impact Najee for the long term, but I'm still riding that lightning with him. Um, but I do love the electricity of Travis Etienne. I mean, the guy must be absolutely fantastic because he's got a great first name. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still going to go Najee in fantasy football. You, you know, it's funny because I was like, I was looking at like just the top running backs and how they all sort of, you know, I, I wouldn't say hit, but kind of hit, you know, I mean, Barkley, Taylor, Swift, you know, um, you know, even Hilaire and then Mixon looked great, you know, like, so good. right. Mixon looked great. Gibson, Sanders, you know, Chubb, you, know, you look down, just go down. Fournette looked great. Javante was outstanding. Like Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey. He had 15 points, you know, whatever. Dalvin looked good. I think it was a kind of a sneaky game for him. He just didn't score and. You know, yeah. didn't need too much in the, uh, you know, he had five targets and do much, whatever. Dalvin's great. Like, and then it was like Najee, 10 carries, 23 yards, two targets, two catches, three yards, like scored a touchdown to like save it. Otherwise, if he didn't score that touchdown, he had fucking 26 yards. Yeah, that's bad. That's, that's bad. bad. It's really bad. And I mean, I know ETN wasn't exactly good or whatever. Like, you know, it's not like ETN did much either. But at the same time, it's like I just started what I what's prompted this was how far down do I really think Najee moves in my, you know, like running. I always was trying to move him down. It's like, well, I can't because he's Najee and he's going to get opportunity and da, da, da. And it's like I'm just a little nervous with him. The foot, he's hurt now. He says he's playing, but. These foot, I mean, the foot thing is like, God dang, you know, it's like you can't, you can't play through foot pain. Either your foot works or it don't work. You know what I mean? It's not like a, I don't know, you have an elbow. You're like, you know, Emmett Smith played on a separated shoulder. It's like, you can't play on a separated foot. You know what I mean? <laughs> he needs a, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of the half-baked scene where he says he needs a backyotomy and I'm just going to say he needs a footy a footyotomy, but that's kind of hard to say. No, you pulled really it off. It's exactly right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, he, he's also not as young as these other two guys. Like, I know ETN is actually a little bit older too, but like, that's why Javante is just so clearly in that class above him. Yeah, he is an absolute beauty. And uh, I'm so thankful that I went in on him in that draft class because you are not going to be able to acquire Javante Williams right now. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And and uh, yeah, I was I was riding the Javante train for a long time. And, you know, right now, good time to go out. Going out on a Javante high, just riding that train. Um, what a great week, week one. Great show from Travis Seal. Thanks for coming on. Tell the fine people of the world uh, where you come up with all your, uh, you know, nicknames. No, I'm joking. Just tell them what's going on. <laughs> Sign off. Tell them what's up. 
Yeah, man. I appreciate that. First off, this was an absolute blast getting in the lab with you, buddy. Like I said, I don't do very many guest spots, but when uh, when old Jax Falcone comes calling, I will show up for that. So thank you for the invite, brother. Um, yeah, you mentioned my Twitter handle earlier. If everyone wants to check out True North FFB, that's the socials and the site, truenorthffb.com, truenorthffb on Twitter and on Instagram. I would love that. I've reformatted my content. You mentioned you did a solo pod last week, Jax. I'm foraying into solo podcasting myself which is a whole new territory so if anyone wants to check that out and hook up some feedback i would love that because i always want to get better as most of us should always want to do yes. uh, but yeah that's where you can find me mobbing around i'm having fun i'm getting a little bit um i'm i'm managing my schedule for fantasy so i can manage it while still producing it and it feels really good i'm super excited for this season brother so thanks again for having me and shout out to you and the whole undroppables crew you guys have supported the true north brand from day one Heck yeah, bro. you you chalk and tom cat tommy mo are uh three of my faves in this industry and not and just as BZ. analysts and bz as well of course 100 percent um like day ones, you guys are yes. day ones. So I appreciate that from you guys. And uh, yeah, you always got a supporter and a friend in me, brother. Yeah, likewise. I mean, the, the 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 truth about it, Trav, is that you're a great person. I thank you for that. And that's one of the reasons I love you so much. But honestly, I wouldn't really be a day one unless you really knew what, what was going on. And I think you're a really great analyst, a great player, a smart dude. Uh, and you're really good on the mic too. I think you sound good. You, you, you're funny. You're fun. So I think you're really good at this shit too. So this is just me calling out game. I just think you're, you're, you're righteous. So thanks for coming on the show. You were, you were fantastic. Go follow Trav, go follow true North. They are kind of dope. They're really awesome. And they're Canadian. I mean, what could possibly be worse than that? I mean, Canadians are the best people on the planet. We know that they got our backs in a fight too. If shit goes down, you know, Canada's kind of sleepy over there. But they got the they, they got our backs. If some shit goes down, they're they're there for us. You know it, right? I mean, they don't got any planes or whatever. They're just gonna come over with some muskets, but they're gonna put up a fight. You know it. Dog sleds and shit, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> rolling Fuck down yeah. to save yeah. the day in our uh, in our parkas. And oh, shit. hey, is there a problem here, eh? <laughs> yeah, hey, you guys got a problem? You should squash that, eh? It's all about love here, eh? Come on. Hockey guys, though, they'll come down, pull their shirts over their heads, and just beat their ass. It'll be fucking great. And on that, we're going out. So. On behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of everybody at the Undroppables, on behalf of the greatest producer the world has ever known, Mr. Michael P. Duncan, and on behalf of Mr. Travis Seal, thanks for joining us this week, Mr. Seal. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out.